And now, introducing a man whose powers stretch beyond the ordinary. He got the government to keep daylight savings year-round, and he got Major League Baseball to put the Ghost Runner back on second base in extra innings. Phenomenal cosmic powers. Bitty bitty broadcasting space. He is Glenn Clark. Good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn Clark. He is Paul Valley. Papa Cass is back. Good to have the whole team back. Although Jordan's away this week. Jerk. Nashville. I'm going to Nashville. What an idiot. Yeah. Who goes to Nash? Actually, Nashville's wonderful. I would go there tomorrow. Um, but Cass is back, and we like that. Uh, a lot to do on the program today. Coming up in just literally a minute, uh, former Eagles and Browns president Joe Banner is going to join us. Joe Banner was on Twitter the last couple days talking about uh, Lamar Jackson and how he thinks that Lamar Jackson might actually be kind of brilliant for not having an agent and how well he might be playing things. He's going to have to explain that to me. I'm not, I don't really care about the agent side of things. I care more about the why isn't Lamar Jackson paid already side of the conversation. If you're not paid yet, I don't know how brilliant you can be. But Joe Banner can explain. He certainly is far smarter than I am. Also coming up this morning, we are going to check in with Patrick Stevens, as we do every Tuesday. A uh, really unique story of a Baltimore boxer named Yahoo Blackwell who's going to join us. He's got a big fight coming up in the Dominican. And a little bit later on this morning, uh, Derek Gordon. As we continue to uh, kind of get to know new Maryland basketball coach Kevin Willard, Derek Gordon was the first openly gay player in college basketball history, and he played at Seton Hall for Kevin Willard. So we're going to chat with him about what uh, his experiences were like and uh, what we should know about Maryland's new basketball coach. All of that coming up. I'm sure Pop Cass has a top five for us as well. So all of that coming on today's program. Today's show is brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel and the FanDuel Sportsbook, where you should be getting your NCAA tournament bets in now because any bet of $50 or more made on any NCAA tournament game can register to you to win a $500 bracket bonus. But you got to be a Live Rewards member. So get down to Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Get your $50 bet in in the FanDuel Sportsbook, but while you're up at the window, say, hey, I'm not a live rewards member. Could you help me out? And the friendly people there will get you signed up so you can register that bet. Ten live rewards members will receive a $500 bracket bonus. And breaking news, whenever it feels like breaking, our next big event in the FanDuel Sportsbook will be April 4th for the NCAA championship game. Rodney Elliott and I will be hanging out with you on that Monday night for the big title contest. Looking forward to that. Let's talk a little football here at the top of the show. Joining us right now, he is the uh, team president of both, or the former, not current, the former team president for both the Cleveland Browns and the Philadelphia Eagles. And he really got me interested in a tweet that he sent out the other day about Lamar Jackson and why perhaps his decision to not have an agent is somewhat brilliant. Joining us now, he is Joe Banner. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Joe, it's Glenn and Paul in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, sir. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Uh, my pleasure. Happy to talk to you guys. Joe, I'm really interested in what it is that you had to say about Lamar Jackson, not because I inherently you know, disagree. I, I guess I would start by saying, what would the advantage be to any NFL player 
to not have an agent as they go through this type of process? Well, I don't suggest they go through the process with any, out any assistance. Okay. Which is uh, different than having an agent. There are currently kind of advisors and lawyers that have um, formerly been agents in some cases, and others that are lawyers with extensive backgrounds in negotiations who either know or can easily study up and adequately know uh, the rules, which after that, it's just a negotiation. So those are very, very qualified negotiators. So I generally don't advise players to not have some active representation, and I usually think it is an agent that's best. So my comment was really in the context of people that were criticizing him, uh, one in particular that said if he had an agent, he would already have a deal, and it's a big mistake to not already have a deal. Well, I think we've now seen enough to know that his patience, as with some of the quarterbacks, was basically a bet on himself. And his contract is now going to be a lot bigger than it would have been if he did it last year. So so let's talk about that. I, you know, as you said, Lamar is playing this a lot smarter than he's getting credit for. Um, I think the one – there was one concept that I saw of wait for Aaron Rodgers and Matt Stafford to get their deals – and now you've got the numbers. You know what the market is, and all of those numbers are north of $40 million, and we think Aaron Rodgers might be upwards of $50 million. That's now what the market is for a quarterback. With that in mind, if we've got all those numbers, Joe, what, what, why not do it now? What, what would be the advantage of waiting any longer at this point to try to get a deal done? Yeah, so, again, I don't recommend that he does wait longer, but I'll answer your question kind of from – somebody else's hypothetical uh, position. Uh, when players bet on themselves, which is what you're doing when you don't take a deal early, you are taking the risk of your health and performance, which right. could affect your future value. Uh, when you wait, if, in fact, you don't get hurt and the quality of your play maintains itself, the market automatically increases based on the new deals and the increases in the cap. So if your goal, your primary goal, is to maximize your career earnings, and you're willing to take some risk on your own shoulders to do so, the best thing to do is wait. Now, for me, you should be finding the right kind of balance of risk and reward, which doesn't necessarily lead, unless you're trying to leave a team, to a last-minute deal. Now you've maximized your value, um, but you've also taken on all that risk. And mm -hmm. the levels of guarantees that quarterbacks are getting, I don't think that's wise. But my point really was that the criticism that if he had an agent, he would already have a deal is not correct. He played this correctly, uh, and he is now going to get a bigger deal than he would have if he had done it sooner. Now, he may still want to wait because that's really the true way to maximize his value. Again, I personally, if I would advise him with guarantees well over $100 million, whatever contract he does, if he and the Ravens can agree on an average of the deal, I would advise him to go do it. But if your, your focus is purely maximizing career in, uh, earnings and you're willing to take the risk that come with performance and potential injury, the best way to maximize your revenue is to wait out the team until you get as close to free agency as you possibly can. He is Joe Banner, the former team president for the Eagles and Browns. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Joe, it's interesting what you're alluding to because we, you know, we have heard reports that maybe Lamar would wait it all the way out, do the, the second – uh, franchise tag thing, go seven years and try to get the free agency. And, I, you know, I, what blows me away is what you just brought up. The, the number of, the amount of guaranteed money you're perhaps giving up, yeah, I mean, you hitting the market would be great, but 
if if there, for some reason the Ravens aren't offering you market value right now, couldn't you also just demand a trade knowing how desperate – I mean, look look around at what the quarterback market has looked like this offseason. There has to be some team that's willing to pay you that market value in order to have you, and we've seen how these deals for quarterbacks can be redone. You know, Deshaun Watson just got his deal redone again, and, and he hasn't played and has all these horrible things that we know about him. I, I, I'm really struggling with why there would be any advantage – to drive this thing out to seven years versus saying, hey, look, there's a whole bunch of teams that don't have an NFL quarterback right now. If the Ravens don't want to pay me this way, I should tell them to go ahead and move me to one of those teams that would. Yeah, and I, I tell you that if his goal wasn't maximizing revenue and he appears to be happy in Baltimore, although we don't know that and some of the decisions make it a valid question, then he should be going and wrapping up the financial security for himself and, frankly, future generations, not even one, multiple generations for him and his family. Uh, but we saw Kirk Cousins did this. He said, listen, I don't mind taking the risk. I'm willing to take the risk. What I want to do is maximize my value. And here's the important part, maximize my freedom of choice. So I want to be able to choose where I go. I want to have complete control over that process. And I'm willing to take the risk to get there. And if Lamar's primary goal is to maximize his revenue. That's exactly what he needs to do to do that. And, you know, I'm a big believer in actions speak louder than words, and his actions say that his primary right. focus is to maximize his revenue, it, it, not to it, minimize his risk. I, I guess the question I would have, Joe, it, is it maximizing your revenue if the likelihood is you could do a deal now and probably still, again, we're talking about three years down the road at this point, you could probably still rework that deal in three years to make it match the numbers that... It just seems like if you're really that good of a quarterback, and we think Lamar Jackson is, that the ability to go back and say, we need to talk about this, isn't going to go away because you always can hold the threat of, I'm not going to come play. I'm not going to show up for training camp. I'm not going to do the things that you want to do unless you constantly make sure that I am paid as sort of the a la the NBA model that we've seen in recent years. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, you're absolutely right, which is why I would advise them to go do a deal, get this uh, large amount of guaranteed money, if, in fact, it turns out that the contract needs to be adjusted, what we've learned over the last few years is you'll have the leverage to get that done. Right. And the, at this point, the be, in my opinion, the benefits of waiting, where there may be at least some increase in the average guarantee, uh, don't come close to the benefits of doing a deal now and knowing that no matter what happens, you don't have to worry about it. And if at a later date you decide that you want to do something about it to try to get yourself you know, updated deal, let's call it. You're in a position where we now can see teams are not going to get into wars with their quarterbacks if there's any way in the world they could possibly avoid it. Right. Uh, so that's why I agree with you in terms of the advice of what he should do at this point. But I disagree with those who claim that not having an agent led to not having a deal and not having a deal was a mistake. Going forward, I just don't think the risk-reward warrants going forward without a deal. But to this point, it's produced very significant results. He may have been in the 35 to 38 range, Mm -hmm. and now he's definitely in the 40 to 45 range, and, you know, it could end up being 45, 46, 47 in a year. It's so funny, Joe, when when Patrick Mahomes got his deal, I remember talking to a bunch of different people who were like, well, this is just going to be a Patrick Mahomes. This isn't a number for the rest of the quarterbacks. I remember thinking to myself, like, if if you're Josh Allen, if you're Lamar Jackson coming up, why wouldn't you want that number to be? This is the way the business works. Like. A quarterback sets the market, and now this is the number, and you either have a quarterback or you don't, and we all know the 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 terrors of not having a quarterback in the National Football League. 
Yeah, which is why, in fact, they have so much leverage and they're using it, you know, very aggressively. And why you're right that, you know, you do a deal now and you get the financial security. If it turns out, say, three years from now, which is really only two years into a new deal, that the deal is out of whack, you're in a position, if you want to, to go back and get something done about it. Now, obviously, you don't have as much leverage as if you're actually getting closer to being free. But you still have enough leverage at that point to get a deal done that you'll feel satisfied with. I know players don't want to go into it, and teams don't really either, anticipating that the contract they're doing is going to set up a dispute at a later date. But the fact of the matter is he does have that recourse if he decided to use it. Joe, we're just another minute or two here with Joe Banner, former Eagles and Browns president. He's with us on Glenn Clark Radio. Joe, on, on the flip side, if Lamar Jackson really is hell-bent on doing this seven-year thing for whatever reason and, and you know maybe breaking the system and getting the opportunity to choose, is there a point at, at, at during this at which the Ravens have to say to themselves, we've got to think about moving the quarterback? Like We, we can't just allow this to play out for seven years and then wa- watch him walk away. Is there a point at which if he's just not willing – to go to the table, and, and so far, he's everything we understand is he's been reluctant to go to the table. Is there a point at which you have to start thinking along the lines of trading the quarterback? Well, the answer is yes. I mean, I don't think they're there for a while, um, and hopefully they don't get there. But, uh, yeah, you don't want to be in a position where you could possibly take a star quarterback, and we've seen what even good quarterbacks are worth, and have nothing to show for it. But frankly, you really want to avoid that situation. Of course. And I would never get there unless I was really convinced the player's long-term plan wasn't just to maximize revenue, but to actually leave. I mean, Kirk Cousins, you know, he felt like he had been mistreated by the by at the time the Redskins, now the commander. Right. Uh, and he wanted an opportunity to get out of there. And uh, it was as much about that as it was about the money. He wanted to choose where he played, um, which for him was partially about the money and partially about other issues. And we don't know if that's what Lamar's motivation is. Um, but if that's what it is, then yes, absolutely. At some point, you've got to go, well, we can't end up in a situation where, even more importantly than the compensation is, we can't end up in a situation where we're waiting so long for him, we end up holding the bag and don't have a quarterback going forward. Right. That we think gives us a chance to compete, especially with this conference now. <laughs> I mean, for a decade, you better have a star quarterback who give up thoughts about going to a Super Bowl. Oh, my God. It is unreal. It's murderer's row, man. Look at her. Holy crap. Joe, I, I want to run by you. Every time we have this conversation, inevitably I'll have a listener. And they'll, they'll jump in and say, look, you know, this it's just too much. Uh, they always throw out this number that there's been no quarterback that's taken up more than 15% of a cap that's ever won a Super Bowl. And, of course, they dismiss the fact that, you know, the Rams, between all the quarterback money they were paying a year ago, actually had 25% of their cap taken up at the position. But they'll just throw this around and say, you, you know, you just can't do this. This is crazy. Teams are throwing around wild money when we all know you can't win a Super Bowl this way. You can't build a roster. You should be the team that drafts a quarterback, moves on, and just drafts another one every five years. That concept is is just crazy to me. I can't imagine wanting to sign up and not have a quarterback every five years or four years because they might demand a trade. But what do you make of that argument that there's this 15% number, and once you go past that, you just simply can't win a Super Bowl. It's too hard to build a roster the, uh, the rest of the way, and you should think about being the team that does something nuts and doesn't sign your quarterback. Well, I certainly don't agree with that if we're talking about a quality quarterback. Now, if you get into the area where you have a quarterback that is only going to win if he's surrounded by a great team, and you go out and pay him 40 to $45 million right now, you're creating a self-fulfilling prophecy, and you're not going to be very successful. 
but that's such a rare exception. If you have a good quarterback, you have found the hardest thing and the most important thing to find. And the idea that you're just going to roll that over with someone that at least is in the has the ability to carry the team to a Super Bowl, right? Uh, just makes absolutely no sense. We've seen teams. I mean, the Cowboys, which is a pretty visible franchise. I mean, they lost a quarterback. It took a long time. Yep. Uh, the Redskins took almost a decade before they found an ex-quarterback, and now they're back into this. They don't have a quarterback. You know, the Eagles have really been since Donovan left, you know, searching for the right guy. They've had some okay people, but they haven't had anybody up to that standard. See, you could literally end up with a decade to find somebody else that gives you a legitimate chance to be a Super Bowl contender. So uh, I'm with you on that. I would never do that unless my hand was just completely forced and it was that or I get nothing. Uh, and I just don't even also understand the logic of it. It's just too hard to find, and it's too important. And, yeah, you can cite one or two exceptions over the last, say, 15 years where that has pres- have preserved and the team has won a Super Bowl. You could even argue it happened in Baltimore. But who wants to play an odds that something happens once every 15 years versus betting on the thing that happens 14 out of 15 years? It doesn't make any sense to me. I understand. Look, I, you know, I, I would love to have a quarterback at a certain price so he didn't take up that much of the cap. The, the world just doesn't work that way. And the good quarterbacks are more likely to win Super Bowls than, you know, the, the Trent Dilfers of the world at this point in the NFL. It's simply the way that it works. Joe Banner, uh, is there anything we can plug for you, sir? Um, I know, of course, it's at Joe Banner 13, but is there anything else we can get a plug in for you? Well, real quick, if you don't mind, I mean, we're working on this uh, website called the 3013, which is really, it's a group of former NFL experts, head coaches, and general managers on a regular basis kind of analyzing the NFL news of the day, 33rdteam.com. So I appreciate you giving me a chance Absolutely. to mention that. Joe, would love to catch up with you again down the road. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Really appreciate your insights. No, my pleasure. Good to be with you guys. It's Joe Banner, former Browns and Eagles team president, and sort of backing up. I, I, I understand far more. His tweet was, I was so befuddled by it. I'm really glad I didn't respond to it because I would have ultimately been wrong. His point is that he's played it smart up till now by not doing the deal beforehand and and i make a good comparison josh allen got 43 million dollars mm. i i don't know that aaron Rodgers is a quarterback i'd rather have at the moment than josh allen yeah i can agree with that there's a real chance that if aaron Rodgers got 50 million dollars that if josh allen was doing the deal now he could say i i'm as good as aaron Rodgers. i outside of patrick mahomes is there any quarterback in the NFL that you would rather have at the moment than Josh Allen? Lamar. I, okay. I mean, <laughs> I, I love Lamar, too. No, no, okay, no. no, no. J- J- Josh love, Allen's incredible. He's absolutely incredible. I think he's the number two guy in the NFL. I think he is I, – I, I understand the argument for Aaron Rodgers, but there's the mitigating factor of him being 40 years old, and we just don't know at some point right. when it's going to start to fall off. But I think Josh Allen's the second-best quarterback in football. Right. And so if I'm Josh Allen, and at $43 million, I was thrilled, right? But the reality is – that if I had just let a couple more mar- quarterbacks set the market, it might very well be that that number could have been 46 or 47. And there might be some point where Josh Allen says, the hell do I care? Like, what really is the difference between 43 and $46 million per year? I'm good. I'm making $43 million a year to play quarterback. Don't worry about me. I'll be all right, you guys. I'll be okay. But I get the point. The point being, if Lamar, if a, an agent had a year ago done a deal for Lamar, it may very well have been 35 to $38 million per year. Whereas right now, 
it would be insane to think he's doing less than Josh Allen's 43 per. It would be nuts to think that that would be the case. I think Joe Banner's absolutely right. He's played it smart to this point because all the, the quarterback field has played itself right. out. There's nobody else but, that's, that's going to sign at this and, point. And that's what I, the moment I sent a series of tweets the other day, and that's what always happens. The Stafford deal is the end. That's mm-hmm. the end of this. Everything is on the table. There's nothing left. There's no advantage to anyone involved to now not get a deal done. Yeah. And that's what makes this infuriating. I was on with my buddy Seren Petro down in, I, I do a regular thing with him down in Kansas City. And every time I do it, he, you know, we revisit this topic because, you know, the rest of the world is as confused as we are about this. And and I was talking about this like this is it. This is the end of the line. There is nothing more to be gained by anyone in this process. By not getting a deal done. Absolutely. The last relevant thing, and credit Josina Anderson, the last relevant thing was, okay, let these two guys get their deals done, and now you got all the numbers you're going to have. There's nothing else. There's no other evidence that you can use in trying to establish what this number is going to be. Once you've got those last couple of dominoes that fell, you've got it all. Now go get a deal done. Yeah, for, if if you're Lamar, you become a top three, probably paid quarterback in the NFL. If you're the Ravens, you get more cap flexibility by signing him right now. That's it. There's nothing. There is nothing for anyone to gain any longer. Joe Banners. I mean, Lamar could try to wait another year and see who else gets a deal done next year. But what Why he's trading, what he's trading off is both the risk of injury and the fact that it's a year in which there was less guarantee that he could have put into his contract. Mm-hmm. In a new deal, which can bring a cap number down, you can put more bonus and incentive money in, to, to ma- or, sorry, not incentive money, but more bonus money in to guarantee a higher figure. So he's trading off lesser guarantee this year and another year of risk just to see if maybe those numbers inch up to like $48, 52000000 million. You know, like it, it's no longer worth it. It's over. And again, if the Ravens aren't willing to go there, there's no reason for Lamar to play the game. When people say, well, if you're the Ravens, you just want to see about what happened against the Blitz and you just want one more year. But there's no reason for Lamar to play that game with them. There is no reason for him to say, yeah, cool, I'd rather not get all the, that guaranteed money and I'd rather, I would just, I'd, I'd rather risk it this year and maybe I'll get hurt and, and irreparably damage the rest of my career and that's not about him being at any greater risk because of his style. It's just about the nature of playing the quarterback position. Quarterbacks get hurt. No matter what style of quarterback you are, you get hurt. And, yes, I'm aware that Dak Prescott got hurt and got paid anyway. I'm not saying it can't happen, but you just never know. You never know when your injury might be the Alex Smith injury. You just don't know. There is no reason. There is nothing left. There is no argument from anyone and I appreciate that because when I first read Joe Banner's tweet, I'm like, what the F are we talking about? But he was talking sort of about retroactive mm-hmm. and now proactive. He says 100%. Now it's time. Yeah. It's time to get a deal done. There is no reason to do any of this. I, the argument about trying to break the system by taking two franchise tags because the franchise tag concept isn't fair and so you just want to get away from the team. I, I hear you. But you're kind of spitting in your own face doing it because you're leaving money on the table. There is more guaranteed money to be made. And if the Ravens, again, we're going to cover every aspect of this. If the Ravens aren't willing to pay it for whatever reason, if the Ravens just say, we don't want to do that right now, our number is $40 million, we're not going beyond that. 
Then you say, cool. Go ahead and move me. Because somebody is. The Atlanta Falcons are feigning as though they're going to let Marcus Mariota be their quarterback next season. The Atlanta Falcons wouldn't jump at the opportunity to have Lamar Jackson instead. The New Orleans Saints are prepared to stroll Jameis Winston out to play quarterback. The Pittsburgh Steelers right now would be going with Mitchell Trubisky as their quarterback. And I get it, the Ravens would never trade Lamar Jackson to the Steelers, but you get the point. We have no idea who the Seattle Seahawks quarterback would be. I guess at the moment it would be Drew Locke. They're all, the the assumption now is that both Seattle and Atlanta are likely to use top picks on quarterbacks that no one thinks is worthy of being a top 15 pick in this draft. If the Ravens aren't willing to pay the number, you demand a trade to a team that is. It's nuts. nuts. I'm inclined to believe it gets done. It makes too too much sense for both sides at this point. I've said that all along, but here we are. Yeah. Like at some point, it's it's got to be acknowledged that there's still not a deal done, and it, it it's nonsensical. I don't get it. And again, there's no big deal if it's if it gets done next week. You know what I mean? Yeah. If if the argument was let's get the Rodgers and Stafford numbers, and then we're good. Okay, well we should be good. There shouldn't be that much more to do. And sometime between now and Easter, we should be able to get this done. It would have probably been nice for the Ravens to have had that knowledge. There, there should have been something pressing to know exactly how much money they could spend beforehand in order to try to get it done. But, you know, it's what it is. There is still something out there. I don't think they'll go back the Zadarius Smith route, but maybe it's the difference in whether or not they could still land J.C. Treader to be their center next season. Or Bobby Wagner. Maybe, you know, maybe. Is it? It's weird to me. I, did I totally – I? Why is Tyron Matthews still out there? I thought he signed for three years, fifty million I, with San Francisco. I, I, I swear to God, I was like, what, "Am I missing something?" This is the problem with me being um, overwhelmed with um, uh, a football at this point. Like Tyron Matthew, who is the like the guy in everybody's mind, still unsigned at this point, and I just completely missed it somehow. <laughs> like because once the Ravens signed Marcus Williams, I kind of stopped paying attention. Because they weren't going to be getting Tyron Matthew, and I like look up yesterday. I'm like, what? Why is that guy still out on the market? What the hell is going on? I could have sworn I saw no, he, he never, signed. He never signed. He never signed. It was very weird to me. I and again, this is this is what I do for a living, and I clearly am paying quite a bit of attention. But it really became once once it was Marcus Williams, it wasn't going to be Tyron Matthew. So mm-hmm. I just stopped. Utter, I utterly but what if it is? stopped saying. Boy, that would be something. <laughs> That would be. That he signs be, for two million to come with the Ravens really, for a year. That'd be really something. All right, uh, today's show, or actually, just a reminder, as uh, we we talk a lot about sports betting and simply the bets, is coming up a little bit later on this morning. Uh, we'll be doing that at eleven forty, as we do every Tuesday, eleven forty a.m. Simply the bets. Aaron Oster from Veasan, Bruce Billick, the general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, will be checking in with us. We would like for you to know the risks and have a plan before you start gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. couple of things quickly. Um, John, I did, we did talk briefly about Bradley Bozeman yesterday. Obviously, we're doing a lot of Kevin Willard on yesterday's show. Um, by the way, there's a rumor that Kevin Willard might be joining us this week. I'm still working on that, but it was, it was offered to me, so... I was like, no, not gonna, just not gonna have time. Sorry, wouldn't be able to make that happen. Uh, but we are, we are hoping that that's gonna end up being the case. 
Um, we did talk about Bradley Bozeman, but I, I, there's only so much that I can tell you, and some of it is just sort of, as I said yesterday, <sighs> educated guessing. Jeff Zrebeck pointed out that Bradley Bozeman was offered a multi-year extension at the end of the year. He turned it down, kind of bet on himself, and the argument now is that he lost. And I understand that argument. The secondary question is, why wouldn't the Ravens have just given him the deal, the one-year deal that the Panthers did? And as I said yesterday, I'm not telling you I know this. I'm, I'm giving you my educated guess. My educated guess is that once the extension was turned down, he wasn't coming back to Baltimore. That there was just a definitive break. And human beings make decisions like that all the time where, okay, it's not going to happen. It's time for me to do something else. And somebody can say his agent led him astray because his agent should have stepped in and said, take this offer from Baltimore if he didn't know. But we, we just don't know the details. We don't know that another one of these teams didn't say, we're absolutely willing to offer this for Bradley Bozeman. And then the market opened up and another player fell to them that they didn't think or their guy that they thought was going to move on didn't. And all of a sudden they said, look, we would have given you that money, but instead we're going to give it to our own guy because we know him. He's our guy. So I don't know that the agent necessarily led him astray here either. I, I think that we all want things to be wins or losses. It's how we approach everything in life. And sometimes it's not about a win or a loss. Sometimes it's just about being at a certain place in life and being ready to do something else. And yes, I think that, that Bradley Bozeman believed he was going to make more money than this when he turned down the Ravens extension offer. And maybe, I, I don't know, maybe there's some amount of regret. Or maybe it really is, at that point, Bradley Bozeman decided, I'm ready to do something else. I spent a few years in Baltimore. I'm ready to see a different scheme. I'm ready to be around different people. I'm ready to do something else. It's not overwhelming money that was offered. I'm ready to do something else. And if I got to go do a one-year prove-it deal in order to try to get that next year on the open market, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to take a one-year deal somewhere and play this out for one more year and show everyone that I am worth the big bucks. So I think that we try to over, oversimplify certain situations by looking at everything in the terms of wins or losses for players, for teams, for whatever. And I think there are people that want to protect this as a loss for Bradley Bozeman. And I, I, I know this is complicated because you guys are going to say, well, you, you're friends with Bradley Bozeman. I'm not really – we don't go out. <laughs> Like, we're not friends. I like Bradley. I like Nikki, obviously, a ton. And I and I, I think the world of them and always will. And who knows? Maybe next year there's a world in which they could end up back in Baltimore. Michael Pierce came back to Baltimore. Um, we thought Zedarius Smith was coming back to Baltimore. Who knows? Maybe that could end up playing out down the road. But I just think that we try to portray these things in terms they don't always fit there's a little bit more gray area than the black and white in which we paint these pictures and I don't know that it's as black and white as this being a loss for Bradley Bozeman it's certainly not a win for the Ravens by any stretch of the imagination because they don't have a center like the end of the day whatever it is they don't have a center and you might not think that's a big of a deal because you might just believe that the Ravens have a history of, of plugging guys in that can play center and for the most part they do but you know, it didn't work out so well a couple years ago. There's some risk involved in not having a center. 
They perhaps might believe that Patrick McCary is just fine to slide back into playing center, or they might think the world of Tristan Colon Castillo, or they might be convinced that J.C. Treader's price is going to come down to a place where they can sign him, or they might believe Tyler Linderbaum's the guy they know they can get him with the 14th pick and they can plug him in and play center on day one and feel great about it. They could definitely address it, and it might very well be that when we have this conversation next year, we think about the fact that, boy, they nailed the center position. But it ain't a win today because they don't have one. So you want to call this a win or a loss. To me, it's more just a sometimes these things play out the way that they do, and Bradley Bozeman has departed, and, and that's, that's the way it goes. The Ravens got Patrick Ricard back yesterday. Is that a win? I think so. There have been a few numbers that were – look, you guys cannot like the fact that Greg Roman is the offensive coordinator all you want, but Greg Roman is the offensive coordinator – and you know what that means? They're going to run the ball a billion times. That's what he does. That's a Greg Roman offense. You can want it to change. You can want it to be throw the ball 50 times a game. You can do whatever you want. But they're going to run the ball a billion times. I think, it's, I think people forget how good, when they're healthy, when they have their guys, how good they are at running. Yeah, they're the really ball. good at they it. They put up over 400 yards against the Bengals it's, it's, last two years ago. Historic numbers at running the football. Now, again, I get it. It's not sexy. Whatever it is, we don't like Greg I Roman. Love it. I, when I it's, love it. When it's ball. good, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, it wasn't a lot of fun last year because they didn't yeah. have any running backs. Right. It's, it's nothing we can do about that. Um, look, man, I, I, I don't know what to tell you, but... If they're going to run the ball a billion times, they're probably better off having Pat Ricard on the field. Now, to the point that a lot of people made, the trust that you have in the Ravens to find fullbacks over the years, if they had moved on from Patrick Ricard, spent the money elsewhere, and they would have identified someone else to be their fullback, Ben Mason maybe, you would have had trust and faith in them finding the next Patrick Ricard, the way they found the next Kyle Juszczyk, the way they found the next LaRon McLean, the way that they found the next Vontae Lee. I understand the argument that you might make that you believe the Ravens could have addressed the fullback position without spending money on it. I, I certainly would understand that argument. But they know this guy's good. They know how much better they've been at running the football with this dude on the field. So... I'm good with him being back. I'm good with him being back on the team. It doesn't, and again, they let the market set itself over a few days, and it seems like they were able to do it a pretty reasonable number in order to get Pat Ricard to return. So I'm okay with all of that. Is there anybody else that we need to cover at the top? I feel like there was something else that, oh, we didn't even really get to talk about all the quarterback movement yesterday with Matt Ryan going to the, the Colts. I, weird bit that the Colts are doing where they're just sort of going all in on these stopgap quarterbacks despite the fact they have a really good roster. I, I mean, they could probably use one more wide receiver. I like like Pittman a good bit, but I think they could have used one more real, like legit stud wide receiver. <sighs> I, to I, me, it, it just sings the fact that they they believe their roster is good enough that if they get one they they get the good quarterback right. they're going to go win a super bowl and i feel like they maybe think that they're kind of starting over if they go draft their quarterback it's and it's a weird vibe because i get the con it's i talk about this all the time you don't the argument that people make is you can't pay lamar jackson patrick mahomes money because he's not patrick mahomes and the thing i always say back is you don't have to have patrick mahomes to win a super bowl no. you just have to have a good quarterback you can't win a, a Super Bowl without a good quarterback. If you got a good quarterback, you can win a Super Bowl. He's Patrick Mahomes to his own team. It, that's how I look at him. Uh, okay, fine. Ma Matthew Stafford's not the best quarterback in football. No. 
He's a good one, but he's not the best quarterback in football. He's not the best quarterback in the NFC. He's not a, not a top five quarterback in the NFL. But the Rams won a Super Bowl with him because he's a good quarterback. And I, that argument would probably project to the Colts having a chance to win a Super Bowl with Matt Ryan, right? Like if I say all you got to do is have a good quarterback, Matt Ryan was still a good quarterback a year ago. But, boy, you're putting a lot in there. You're putting a lot of chips in on being able to do it. And you got a good roster. There's no doubt about it. Obviously, you have the best running back in football at this point. Um, your defense has been outstanding. Julian Blackman is a stud. Love that guy. Um, there's a lot of good. That Quentin Nelson might be the best offensive lineman in the entire league. There's a lot of good on that roster. But I don't know that it's Rams roster good. And I don't think at this point that Matt Ryan is is quite as good as Matt Stafford. I don't think he's far behind Matt Stafford, but I don't. I think there might. You could argue he's not quite as good as Matt Stafford at this point. With a bit lesser of a roster, I think it's a you're really hard pressed to fathom. You also don't have the benefit of playing in the NFC, frankly. The idea that that team with Matt Ryan is going to win three to four playoff games against the teams you're going to have to face in the AFC at this point. I'm hard-pressed to see it. I'm hard-pressed to see it. I, I get the idea. you got to have somebody. I don't know what it would have cost them to get Baker Mayfield. I don't know what the Browns are looking for. I mean, like, they're going to have to move him. They have to move him at some point. I don't know what the market is for Baker Mayfield. And if you say, if the Browns are looking for at least a first for Baker Mayfield and you were able to get Matt Ryan for a third, I could make the argument that you're better off just doing that. You know, I... I would I rather have Baker Mayfield than Matt Ryan, though? I, I think. I think I would. That's, that's got to be just based on age alone. Mostly based on age. Mostly based on the, like, I just don't know that we won't wake up at one point and Matt Ryan just can't do it any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mobility, too, right? Like, I just, I like the idea of having a bit more of a mobile quarterback in general. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I... I think you should have just been drafting a quarterback. I mean, I just think that's the way it's got to work in this league is you got to draft and figure out if you have a quarterback or not. I think it's really – it's a tough sell to think that you can do this with Matt Ryan and that roster. But we'll see. I mean, they'll end up looking genius if somehow in the murderer's row AFC they manage to win a Super Bowl with Matt Ryan as their quarterback. All right, when we come back in, Patrick Stevens is going to join us to talk more about Kevin Willard, of course. That's on the way. Today's show is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. They're continuing the St. Patrick's menu all month long. So you can get the smoky thigh wings with the Guinness grilling sauce, the Reuben, the Rachel, the shepherd's pie with the Guinness braised beef. Just because we're past St. Patrick's Day doesn't mean it's gone till the end of the month. Enjoy the St. Patrick's menu at Glory Days Grill. Get your order in, glorydaysgrill.com. It is a Tuesday. That you, get, you got this, Cass? It's a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MD Gambling help.org. 
The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. Underdog Fantasy Football is ramping up the baseball season. You're going to be able to play every day, every week with those traditional daily and weekly fantasy contests you love. But still the basketball, the hockey contests, and so much more. You can't bet on your phone or your computer yet in the state of Maryland, but you can play underdog fantasy football and feel like you're betting with player props, parlays, things along those lines. And when you use that code PRESSBOX, we match up to $100 on your first deposit, underdogfantasy.com, or download the Underdog app in order to get playing with Underdog Fantasy Football. Uh, John wants to know, Glenn, what have you heard in relation to Kevin Willard's staff at the University of Maryland? Um, the only, I mean, the only one that I've, I know with any amount, everybody seems to believe that Tony Skin is joining him. The former George Mason standout who is from the area, uh, from the D.C. area, and, uh, was at Ohio State most recently, but had been with Kevin Willard before, um, and again, that goes a long way to having a local tie to the area, I, I don't know anything beyond that. I, I can't tell you anything else about what Kevin Willard's staff might look like. I presume he will be asked about that when he holds his press conference tonight at 6 o'clock down in College Park um, as we will chat. Patrick, we need to call Patrick. Yeah, 
That's it's okay. It's all right. We only do it every Tuesday at yeah. ten forty-five. <laughs> no big deal. But Literally every brain, week. Brain fart. Right? Other than that, Paul's like, "What? Huh? What are we doing? <laughs> what are you talking about? We don't have anything scheduled now." Um. Uh. Anyway, sorry. Yes, he's holding his press conference tonight, six o'clock down in College Park, and I assume that that will be one of the questions that is addressed in uh, to Kevin Willard, the new Maryland basketball coach, is what his staff will look like, and we will find out then. From Joe, Joe uh, gets in this morning and says, Glenn, appreciated all the coverage you gave of Kevin Willard yesterday. 24 hours later, do you feel anything much different after the various folks that you have talked to? No, I don't. It's about what I expected it to be. I'm not trying to be curt, but I, I think I told you in the column that I wrote yesterday, I think Kevin Willard is a very logical, sensible hire. You know, we've been talking about Kevin Willard for months. Patrick Stevens has definitely been talking about Kevin Willard for months. This makes a ton of sense. If you're not blown away by it, I understand. I, I, I don't know that Kevin Willard is going to be a great coach at the Big Ten level, but it was a very reasonable hire and a qualified hire for Maryland to make, and there are things that I've heard that I like a lot. I don't know that anybody can answer whether or not he's going to be a much better NCAA tournament coach uh, now as the coach at the University of Maryland. So, no, I, nobody's changed my feelings about it in all these conversations we've had. But it is Tuesday, and every Tuesday we chat with our buddy Patrick Stevens, who joins us now, of course, at Discourse, D1S Course on Twitter, Washington Post, USA Lacrosse Magazine. Good morning, sir. How are you? I am well, Glenn. How are you this morning? I'm all right. Uh, you and I have been talking about Kevin Willard for a very long time, one of the first names that was brought up in the aftermath of Mark Turgeon. And I remember... One of the conversations we had, you pointed out that, you know, at the time he was coaching maybe even a little bit over his head based on what expectations were at Seton Hall this season. I feel like some of the reaction to Kevin Willard's hire here at Maryland has been about the thud in the NCAA tournament, that it's just a recency bias, that that guy, the guy that just got his butt kicked by 26 points, that's the guy you're hiring as your coach because a lot of people don't pay attention. Um on the whole, how would you describe the job that Kevin Willard has done at Seton Hall over the course of the last, you know, dozen years? Well, I think it's important to kind of understand where Seton Hall was um, before he got there. Obviously, everybody remembers, like, Terry DeHare and the, the, the Final Four team, yep. the team that was in the national title game in 1989, P.J. Carlissimo. And he left, and, and, and frankly, they really didn't do a whole lot for, for close to, you know, really more than 20 years, if you include the beginning of Willard's tenure. I mean, they had a Sweet 16 under Tommy Amaker as a 10 seed in 2000. They had a couple mid-level appearances in the tournament under Lewis Orr. Uh, and then Bobby Gonzalez came along, and, and that did not go very well uh, those four years uh, between on-the-court and off-the-court stuff. So he took over a program that was not in, in great shape. And, you know, there was some help along the way. I mean, I feel like Seton Hall was one of the winners of, of the Big East's realignment, reinvention, however you want to put it. Uh, but getting rid of all of those football schools, in particular Syracuse and especially Connecticut, uh, I think really helped Seton Hall out. And I think he did a really solid job. I mean, when you look at what Seton Hall had been, really a roughly 500 program without very many NCAA tournament appearances – and he's, you know, by the time you get to 2016, it's 25, 21, 22, 20, 21 victories, 21 this year, uh, and five tournament appearances. That, that's pretty good. 
Uh, and he probably, I, I think it's fair to say, probably maxed out what he was going to be able to do there. I mean, at some point, and it's probably around the 10-year mark, you know, for most coaches, it's probably time to move on. He's been there 12 years. So uh, I, I think for Maryland, it's a, it's a very conventional Maryland hire, right? Like, you think about what are the things that Maryland wants. Well, they wanted an established coach, check. They wanted a guy that had gotten to the postseason, check. They wanted somebody that didn't really have – a long trail with the NCAA of malfeasance or what have you. Check. You know, all these boxes kept getting checked. East Coast guy. Worked on the East Coast for pretty much his entire career. Check. Uh, and so if you were sitting here trying to craft sort of that logical compromise candidate, and he's, and he's 46 too, there's a check mark. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and I think we talked about this, this yesterday uh, privately, but I feel like the, you know, for Mark Turgeon, the thing that was always going to help be held against him was how much he was different from the last guy. And for Kevin Willard right now, I, I wonder if the thing that will be held against him is that maybe he's a little too similar to no the last question. guy. No question. You know, he's a guy that's 46 years old and has been to five NCAA tournaments. You know who else was 46 years old and had been to five NCAA mm, tournaments? How about The that? guy who was hired the last time. So I, I, I think he's an interesting choice. I think he's a conventional choice. Uh, I think he's a very Maryland choice. I think the floor is fairly high. I don't know how high the ceiling is. Uh, but based on what we've seen from his Seton Hall teams, particularly over the last six or seven years, you've got a guy that, that's probably going to get you in the tournament mix just about every season. So I feel like the question that we're trying to answer and acknowledging we can't get the answer, the answer is going to come in the coming years when we see how he does. But I feel like what we're trying to answer is, is the bump up from Seton Hall to Maryland, as far as resources, as far as whatever you want to throw in there, the interest in the program, the fact that there's a football program to prop up the athletic department, although, again, yes, it's Maryland football. Um, there's an on-campus arena where they can profit off of that where there's maybe more local interest recruiting-wise, maybe kids are more inclined locally to care about Maryland than local kids were to care about Seton Hall, is all of that enough to close the gap and make him better when it comes to seeding in the NCAA tournament and winning games in the NCAA tournament? And I know you can't give me that answer, but I feel like that's what we're trying to solve. I think, I think you're basically on to it, and, and while... You know, we're sitting here trying to like adjust the dials a little bit and see which of these things is more important than some of the other things, right? Right. Uh, I, I do think that you are talking about a school that, even though it does not have a practice facility, is more invested. Uh, it is going to get more attention, even if it's not getting the same level of attention locally that it did 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. I think, too, it's important to remember that none of this happens in a vacuum. You know, and what I mean by that is what is happening with all the other teams in your league or all the other teams in the country to a lesser extent, because that's what you're dealing with in the tournament. And, and frankly, the tournament gets into a little bit of bracket luck and, and, and some good breaks or bad breaks or, or whatever you want to discuss there. Uh, but how, how are your conference opponents handling basketball? Are they as invested as they have been or will be? Are, are, do they have good coaches? You know, where are they in in terms of uh, a guy, a coach's tenure? You know, like Tom Izzo, how long is he going to be? At right. Michigan State? Probably right. for a while. Right. But you know, he, he's he's coached more games in the past at Michigan State than he will in the future. I sure. Think it's safe to say. Uh, 
So that's the sort of question that, that you have there. So how, how does that landscape change on you over time? Uh, and that's something, again, you, you, you can't possibly know the answer to that. I think when you look at what the Big East was, like I mentioned earlier, you, you basically helped a program like a Seton Hall and a Providence. And I'm not knocking either Kevin Willard or, or Ed Cooley for the jobs that they've done. But their jobs became much more manageable. Yeah, with no Louisville. But, right. But, yeah, there's no Louisville. There's no Notre Dame. There's yep. no Syracuse. There's no Pitt. There's no UConn. Suddenly you've got a 10-team league that, that's – you know, entirely private schools. Now you add UConn in, and it's, that's that's a joker in the deck again. But overall, like I thought, he did a really solid job. And I know we're going to talk about it, so I'll, I'll I'll drop this little nugget too. When you, you look at postseason success, which I think everybody yep. thinks is like the big thing against Kevin Willard, I like to do something really simple. What what was the projected record based on seed? Let's call it the chalk record. And so Kevin Willard's chalk record. At Seton Hall, having been a six and nine and eight a ten and an eight would have been he he would have gone three and five, and he went one and five. So he lost the game last week, which let's face it, that was not a good performance at all. Yep. And then he lost a six eleven game uh, to Gonzaga in two thousand sixteen, which is just hard and, to remember Gonzaga being an eleven seed at any point. Yeah, right. And, and that was also it should be noted after they went on a three day run in the Big East tournament, and those things are are yeah. notoriously wonky. Yep. You know, and let's also throw in that that game was played at elevation in Denver, you know, so all that, I, I, I kind of look at that and say, okay, the real issue, if you're going to sit there and argue this is, well, why wasn't he ever better than a six seed at yep. Hall? Well, you know, that, that's something, that's, that's an argument that you can make, even acknowledging that that's not as easy a job as you think. Uh, you know, Mark Turgeon's, you know, chalk record, by the way, at Maryland was five and five. He went five and five. So... You know, you got about what you would have expected. And again, the argument there would have been, why weren't you better than a five-seed at any point? Exactly. Or a four-seed at any point. So, in any case, I, I don't know if I'm willing to trust a sample size of six games um, to evaluate a coach. In fact, I know I'm not willing to do that. Uh, that having been said, that's going to be another one of those unknowable questions, or at least unknowable answers, uh, that's floating around out there uh, until uh, until you actually see Kevin Willard take Maryland into an NCAA tournament. Let's cover a couple more things. Patrick Stevens with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Um, the first report related to a staff is Tony Skin, uh, the former George Mason standout, who was most recently at Ohio State. Um, I, I don't know a ton about Tony Skin. I mean, I, I know, of course, know him. I don't know mm-hmm. as much about him as a coach. It, is, is this the... Yeah, guy that can keep local prospects locked in. Like, is 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 that the thought that Tony Skin can sort of corner the DMV? Is he known? Does he have a track record of being that type of guy? Well, I think the one thing that he is is he's familiar with Kevin Willard because he worked for three or four seasons up at Seton Hall before moving on to Ohio State. And, and Glenn, you you know how I feel about about the emphasis on on local. I, I am aware, yes. So I'm go, I'm going to give the abbreviated version of it, and we can we can move on from there. Is it nice to to get local recruits? Sure, yes, it's absolutely yep. nice. I don't think it's a prerequisite. I think that when you look at building a, a team right now, even more so in the portal era, you need what on average probably five new guys a year at this point, basically five or six, yep. just because of of the roster churn. And let's assume it's six, and you're probably going to get two of those guys out of the portal. That's four guys. You can get guys from a lot of different places. You can get guys 
uh, you know, from any number of places. It could be from Temple Hills or Turkmenistan. I mean, that's an exaggeration, obviously. But the, the point being is that, you know, you don't need that many dudes. And what you really need is guys that fit your system, guys that are coachable, guys that can play well together. And it, it doesn't matter if those guys are local or not. I, I agree wholeheartedly that, that there is a, there is a value in having those relationships nearby. But that having been said, I don't think it's an end all be all. And I don't think it's something that anybody, certainly not anybody along the East Coast where, you know, we have these things called airplanes and trains and can get places pretty quick, uh, really needs to worry all that much about. I, I think it's something that it's, a, it's a piece of red meat that you can certainly throw to folks. Uh, but I don't think it's an end-all, be-all. That said, you know, Tony Skin went to Tacoma Academy, played at George Mason. He obviously knows some guys. He, he was an assistant coach at Team Takeover for a few years after his pro career. So there are, are certainly plenty of connections down here. But I, I think as much as anything else, you just need somebody that can recruit, period, not necessarily recruit here. Yeah, that certainly would be the, just finding good players. You know, The thing that you just alluded to, Patrick, it I would think that at this point, and I've said this a couple times already, that we are at a place where there's it shouldn't maybe take quite as long to start measuring Maryland basketball in this transfer portal era as as we were inclined to say it should have with Mark Turgeon. I, I, and I'm not I'm not trying to define it in any sort of way, but it just sort of feels like it shouldn't be maybe three years to start seeing some sort of results as it was in more traditional recruiting eras. It feels like not that I think that they should be competing for the Big Ten a year from now. I think that would be insane, but that it shouldn't maybe take quite as long in order to build a program now in the transfer portal era. And as as much as I hate to say it, that's probably true, particularly at the high major level. I think it, I think there are still things at the mid major level that are, are difficult to to really figure out. Uh, but at the high major level, you know the terrain and. Usually by year two or year three by this point. I mean, look, Eric Musselman was in an elite eight at Arkansas in in year two. You you look at Nate Oates; he was in a Sweet Sixteen in year two. You look at look at Iowa State this year, which went from two wins last season to two NCAA tournament wins this year, right? And they're still playing right now. So those sorts of turnarounds are possible. I mean, I think we we thought we were seeing something like along those lines at Minnesota. Uh, this year because they got off to a good start. It didn't quite work out that way. Ultimately, I, I do think that you should be able to see by year two in the hunt for an NCAA tournament berth. And frankly, you know, if things go right, you might be able to get there in year one. Uh, but I think everybody should probably not expect anything other than simply a team that plays hard and a team that is, uh, you know, clearly moving in the right direction. Uh, in year one. But I agree. By the time you get to year two in this era, like it or not, there, there probably need to be at least the early outline of results. Patrick Stevens with us on Glenn Clark Radio. By the way, he brought up Iowa State. Maybe one of the more unique local connections left in the NCAA tournament is Isaiah Brockington at mm-hmm. Iowa State. Of course, the uh, son of former Coppin State standout Antoine Brockington. And uh, we, uh, we've uh, marked, we've talked about it a couple times in recent weeks. It's the 25th anniversary of Coppin State's remarkable uh, upset of, of South Carolina back in 1997. Um, give me a team so far in the tournament that maybe you you feel different about that, like you didn't think was a a title threat or a Final Four threat. That now you know being two games away, you're like I I genuinely think that they might have a chance to make 
even more serious noise at this point. Yeah, I think North Carolina's that team. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that, that given what they did to Marquette in the in the first round of the tournament and then handling the ejection and, and bouncing back from Baylor's rally to, to win that game in overtime, I look at that bracket and, and I see I see three teams they can beat. I, I see a UCLA team that is obviously really good and really battle tested, uh, but but not a, a team that's just going to overwhelm Carolina. I don't think. And then a Purdue team whose defense remains a question mark, and St. Peter's, which is good, great a story as they Wonderful, are. Wonderful, yes. Uh, it's you know it's 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 uh, it's not a team you expect to win two more games. I mean, they could. Nothing, nothing says they can't. But I think Carolina, given how well it's largely been playing, is is the team that stands out on that front. At the same time, that's a team that, that has had a history this season of having a random clunker like they did against Virginia Tech in the ACC tournament. Uh, so, so that would be that would be the team that uh, I would say I would not have thought of as a Final Four caliber team a couple of a week week or so ago, and have to certainly consider the possibility right now. And I guess we have to say one more time: Maryland lacrosse, uh, quite good, and 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 certainly going to. Barring something insane, be a, a significant uh, uh, favorite as we move towards the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they basically out Virginia Virginia uh, on Saturday, twenty-three to twelve. Uh, it's the most lopsided victory in the series for Maryland since nineteen seventy-four. Uh, most goals allowed by Virginia in the game since nineteen seventy-eight. The team that they allowed twenty-three plus two the last time was NC State of all schools, a team Phew. that hasn't even fielded the ball in forty years. So. Uh, but yeah, basically just out transitioned Virginia. Great face-off play from Luke Weirman. Uh, balanced offense, you name it. Maryland did it really, really well the other day. And, uh, as Lars Tiffany, the Virginia coach, said afterwards, "There's no doubt who the number one team in the country is now," uh, and he is 100% correct on that. And, and I suspect that Maryland uh, might have might have a, an issue or two uh, to navigate in Big Ten play. But for the most part, aside from that game against Rutgers and maybe Ohio State. Uh, I, th- I think it's a team that's in pretty good shape to to possibly get into the barn without a loss again this year heading into the postseason. Ken Patrick Stevens named the MLB teams that this particular player has played for. You get a little bit more of a respite because I found a legitimate stud who just so happened to get his fourth and, th- and fifth teams a year ago. Okay. So five teams now for a five-time All-Star who's finished in the top ten of Cy Young voting four times in his career. Give me the five teams for John Lester. John Lester has played for Boston. Of course. And the Cubs. Of course. He was in Oakland, right? Most certainly was. Hoping That was the year that I was hoping the Orioles were going to land him in the trade deadline, and he went to Oakland instead. Washington and St. Louis. There you go. Five for five on John Lester. I, honest to God, had forgot that he started last year in Washington. I had completely forgotten about it. All right, and give me the four teams for a two-time All-Star and a one-time Silver Slugger winner. Jermaine Dye is our other guy today. Jermaine Dye was definitely with the Braves. Most certainly. And the White Sox. Yep. And Kansas City. Yep. And I'm not sure I remember. Oh, really? It was a four-year stint in the other place. Really? Yes. Jermaine Dye with a four-year stop someplace. Oh, one. In Oakland? That's the one. Very good. Four for four on Jermaine Dye. Pretty good performance. Uh, anywhere in particular this week that you're going to be? Uh, undecided at this. All point. right. So it will be. It will be a lacrosse site of some sort or another. Probably. Probably that Loyola Army game. Will you be in College Park this evening? 
I will be in College Park. Obviously, for the press conference. At Discourse, D1S Course is how you follow him on Twitter. Patrick Stevens, always appreciate you, my friend. Let's talk again next Tuesday, all right? All right. Take care. That's Patrick Stevens joining us as he does every Tuesday morning here on GCR. We'll push the break. Um, want to quickly remind you that you can join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good. BPDrecruit.org. Thanks to Patrick for taking the time for us this morning. As we roll along on a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio, we will have a little bit more Kevin Willard conversation as uh, Derek Gibson, a former Seton Hall player who, of course, was the first openly gay player in college basketball history, is going to join us a little bit later on. Joining us right now, I want to spend a couple minutes chatting about a really unique Baltimore sports story as our next guest is down in the Dominican Republic getting ready for a huge fight coming up in early April as he'll be fighting for a regional heavyweight title, WBC heavyweight title, and he's got his eyes set on bigger prizes, and he just so happens to be like a super successful businessman on top of it. He's a really compelling story. It's a pleasure to welcome Yahoo Blackwell to GCR, Yahoo Glenn and Paul here in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's great to chat with you, dude. We're really excited about what it is that you're doing. Is there any way you can do like a 30-second version of your unreal story of how you got to this point um, from Ghana to the States to Baltimore to boxing to business? You you check so many boxes. It's just a fascinating character, man. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I... um came here when I was two, man, and, um, you know, boxing was just something that was just in me, and, you know, I, I couldn't escape it. I, was, I told my mother, and uh, she originally was against it, not not against the sport, but, you know, she was just doing what moms do. Of course. She didn't see me get hurt, and uh, seven years old, I got started, man. I, it was a friend of mine who, who was going, he was a little bit older. And um, I used to lie to my mother until I was playing over his house. <laughs> <laughs> when all actuality, I was going to the boxing gym with them. And um, I competed in my first amateur bout, I think maybe after two weeks of training. And I came back with a trophy. And I think that's how she she knew that it was, you know. Like, okay, yeah. Well, we'll support this now. We'll give you. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. We'll give you a shot at it. Um, from from that point, so how old were you at that point when you got that first trophy? I was seven years old. Okay, so you're seven years old. Did you? At what point did you know? Like, I might do other things with my life, but I'm I'm going to be a boxer for the foreseeable future. You know, it's so funny because um, there were several things that happened to me um, that let me know that this was what I was supposed to be doing because. Um, you know, coming up as a fighter, you know, it's tough. So you, you start questioning it and, you know, you start wondering, man, is this really for me? You know, is this going to work out? And um, I ended up boxing a guy. At the time, he was like the man. Um, his name was Spencer Harsley. Okay. And at the time, he was like a big amateur star in boxing uh, from, from the DMV area. I believe he was maybe like a eight-time Golden Gloves champion. Wow! Uh, wow! Four-time national champion. He was all you know. He had all the 
all the medals. And um, I stopped them in three rounds. We sparred. I stopped them in three rounds. And I think that's when it, it hit me like, wow, you know, um, I can really do this. And then I started going to training camps with, like, some of the best fighters in the world, and I was able to hold my own. And um, and that really put the stamp on it for me. Yahoo Blackwell is with us here on GCR. Yahoo, there is this sort of Baltimore moment in the sport of boxing that's been occurring for, like, the last five to six years. And, and of course, Gervonta is at the, the front end of that, but it ain't just him, right? Like, it's Malik, right. and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's his seams kids, and it's, you know, there's... There's just this unbelievable moment happening right now. How much has that lifted you and and maybe put like a, an amount of pressure on you to say, hey, I want to be a part of this. I want to be like, I want to be another Baltimore boxer that's bringing the spotlight to the city that you clearly love so much, that is obviously your home. How has that moment impacted you? You know, it's, it's, it's great because... Um you know, we've all crossed paths, like, at some point in time. Like, um, you know, I've crossed paths with Javante, Malik, all of those guys, like, years and years and years ago. And um, I even ran into Javante at Mayweather's gym. Uh, this was this was right at the time Mayweather had just found out who he was. Okay. And um, we ran into each other there. So it, it's, a, it's a big thing for me to, you know, be a part of the, the group, you know, that's bringing, um, like you said, spotlight to fighters in Baltimore. It's a big deal. And, and, and the way that you care about the city, tell me about how you got involved as a, as a businessman and, and running and running the Rita's and all of that thing, man. Like, you know, this is, this is like, dude, if I was a boxer, I wouldn't have time to be worried about anything. I'd be worried about not dying in a ring. Um, tell me about how you got involved in all of that. Um, you know, readers began because um, my mother my mother died in 2015. Okay. And um, readers was like the very last thing she had asked for. I was already contemplating getting into business because, you know, I, I've seen a lot of athletes um, or entertainers, athletes, the whole nine that when their careers is over, um, they go broke. So I didn't want to be that guy. I yeah. was like, you know, you know, I didn't put in too much work that end up broke when it's all said and done. And um, so I was considering doing trucking at first. I was like, man, maybe I should get into trucks. But but um, when my mother was passing, um, Rita's was the only thing she could hold down. She had no diet. Wow. Either she was craving Rita's like every single day. So every day I would, this maybe went on for about a year. So every day I was going to get her quarts and quarts of readers. Wow. So all she could eat. She couldn't eat any, you know, everything else we tried to give her, she, she was uninterested in it. And so, um, and literally the moment before she died, I asked her, what did she want? She said, uh, readers. <sighs> so that's how I ended up pursuing readers. That's, boy, that's powerful, man. <laughs> that is a powerful story, brother. I'm, I'm very sorry for the loss of your mother, uh, my friend. Thanks, but, you know, to have something like that and say, okay, I want to do this now for my mom. Oh, man. Um, it's, it's, getting, it's getting a little dusty in here, Yahoo. It's getting a little, <laughs> getting a little. Does somebody, can you put away those onions over there, Paul? My God. <laughs> oh, man. 
All right, yeah, so it was a big deal for me, man. I had to do it. Uh, that's cool. Honor her, yeah. That's cool, man. All right, so tell us about being down the Dominican, and tell us about the fight coming up, and why this one is so important for you. Well, I'm fighting a guy named uh, Fugencio Zuniga, and uh, he's a he's a veteran. He's he's been in the sport for a long time, and you know, he's kind of seen it all. He's kind of fought the who's who's, and. Um, this fight is big is big for me and for Baltimore because it's for a WBC uh, regional title. And um, the WBC is the biggest out of the sanctioning bodies. So you have four sanctioning bodies in boxing. You have the IBF, the IBO, the uh, WBA, WBO, and the WBC. Okay. The WBC is the most prestigious of them all. So um, to be fighting for a WBC title is... It's, it's a big deal. Um, not to mention, I don't believe there's ever been another heavyweight champion in Baltimore who's ever had any version of the WBC. So, other than Hasim, uh, Rocky. right, right. So to do this would would definitely put me as number two um, ever to have had a WBC uh, title um, coming out of Baltimore as a heavyweight. And and the fight is televised, correct? Yes. CBS uh, Sports. CBS. Yep, CBS Sports will be um, the host of the fight. Man, that's a big deal, dude. That's a really big deal. Yeah, it is, man. I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, it, I'm just trying to stay focused, man, and train hard, and you know, prepare for to be in, you know, with a with a crafty guy. I mean, bro, look, obviously winning the fight is a big deal, too. It's funny because I'm talking about what a big deal is just to have the fight be on TV and all that. And you're like, yeah, I'll do it for I just got to win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I got to worry about. Yeah, yeah. I want to win in an impressive fashion, too, man. I really want to I want to put a stamp on this fight and, you know, just show everybody that I'm here. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yahoo Blackwell, what can we – obviously, we want people to watch the fight on the 8th. But what else can we plug for you? Twitter, Instagram – Anywhere people can be staying in touch with you and your journey as you're trying to become, you know, the, the next, the, the truly great fighter to come from the city of Baltimore. Yes. Um, the best the best place for people to reach me is always uh, Instagram. My Instagram is Yahoo underscore uh, Rock Blackwell. And um, that's probably like my main social platform that, you know, that I'm always engaging on. But, um, but yeah, other than that, stay tuned, you know, Keep your eye on me. I'm, I'm I'm working hard. You know, I'm working hard every single day. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to give everybody what they what they want to see. Brother, it, your story is incredible. We can't wait to see what's next. Let's when when you get back here after you get through camp and the fight. Let's talk again. Let's maybe have you come by the studio one day and and talk a little bit more. As we can't wait to see what's next for you on this journey towards true greatness, man. Congratulations on everything, and and, and can't wait to see you on CBS Sports. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. And I, I appreciate you guys. Um, you know, thank you for this opportunity, and thanks for taking the time to you know hear my story. Absolutely, and, man. And uh, you know, just share your platform with me. I truly appreciate it. And look forward to chatting with you more, man. Thank you, Yahoo. Yahoo Blackwell, uh, a Baltimore fighter who is well on his way to doing great things, and that's a really, really neat local story. I, w- I want to come to um, Patrick Stevens' defense here a little bit. He's getting a little bit attacked for one of the quotes that I put up on, on Twitter about, how, about, uh, about recruiting in Maryland. Patrick did say that recruiting in this area is important, 
And, but he said it's not the be-all, end-all. There's only so much that I can fit into a tweet. But he didn't say that it's not important to recruit in this area. He said it is important, but it's not the be-all, end-all. Like, not a prerequisite. Yeah. He, people are coming at him right now, and I think it's a little ridiculous. Okay. It's one guy that's coming at him. It's not... I you know. I'm not... I'm, this, this isn't... I'm not too worried about it. I'm not yeah, too worried about it. I just wanted that. to come to his defense. Cause uh, I, mean, I, I get... I know how Patrick feels about context. that. Look, I think, I think you wanted, should want to have local kids stay local. I do. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's... Like that the, the, the advantage of the recruiting base only exists if you tap into that recruiting base. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, just, I'm, I'm not too worked up about it. I'm not too worked up about it. All right, let's do Cass's top five. C- Cass, can we do a, a quicker version of the top five this week because we are running low on time. We still have Derek Gibson. We've got to get to Simply the Bets this morning. This thing where we put the gambling show on Tuesday is not great for uh, uh, scheduling purposes for the top five. But I can make it quick. All right, what's the top five? Hang on, Cass's top five is brought to you this week by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. What's your topic for your top five this week, Cass? Okay, so since I was home with my dad, I was watching, me and him watch a lot of sports movies. Like, that's kind of like our thing. Okay. So I decided to do my top five, like, sports movies that I, like, love. And Something About Mary, of course, is a baseball movie, as we know. Have you seen my baseball? Yeah. That's my number one. That's my number one. I don't know if we were able to do I don't even know if we're allowed to like. God, I hate the fact. Oh, never mind. Society. I, I just days. wonder. I just uh, wonder like how it would work today. Yeah. God damn it. I walked around for an entire summer with the beans and the frank. And have you seen my baseball? I mean, I probably walked up to so many strangers that summer and just have you seen my baseball? I, I still I, maintain it. If the movie The Ringer got made, uh, I think we're okay. But it didn't. The, all right, anyway, it was a conversation for yeah. a different day. All right, Cass, these are your top, top five, five sports movies. Okay, so okay. at number five, I have Remember the Titans. I mean, Remember the Titans yes. is a brilliant. Right, movie. It's, it's I watched it all the time with my my family, so I just put that. Oh at my five. god, we had um, uh, Julius from Remember the Titans on a few years ago, um, not because of Remember the Titans, but um, of course because Wood Harris was, you know, he was in the, the Wire. I mean, Wood Harris has been in a bunch of different things. And I said at the end of the interview, I was like, could we do the left side, strong side thing? <laughs> like, it was so sheepish and childish. And he was like, yeah, man, we can do it. And I was so happy. <laughs> like, I was so happy yelling left side, strong side with that dude. Uh, it's Remember the Titans is perfection. There's no, there's no getting around it. It's a perfect film. Mm-hmm. And number four, I have Secretariat. I don't know. I've never like, seen it. I saw it. Not I only did it. I see it, I saw it in theaters because they invited me to like a screening of it when it was coming out like a you know you're a sports guy come see secretariat i had read the book and knew a lot about secretariat and i never i don't feel as romantic about horses as other people do but i like big i like going i used to do my show from the kentucky derby every year and like that closing scene at the belmont like it gets you (laughs) Like, it gets you, man. Like, when they just let the music play and they show the horse running and you're like, dude, this was unbelievable. I, I, I guess I can't tell you not to do spoilers because it's been out for 20 years. It's also the story of Secretariat, I know, man. I know, I just, like, if I you don't know that it, Secretariat won the Belmont, it's on you. But, I mean, spoilers as far as how it's shown in the movie. But yeah. I keep yeah, telling myself I'm going to see it because it, it, I hear it's fantastic. It's good. It's a good movie. It's it's, it's good. a it's a sort of disney but it's it's a good movie. It's a... It's a fun. 
I, it's a great family film. It's a great mm-hmm. sit around with the family and you need a movie that everybody can kind of find something about it that they like. Everybody will sort of find something within Secretariat that they can enjoy. I, I like Secretariat. I just love horses. I think it was a good story. I it's one that it. my wife watches frequently because she also loves horses. Yeah. So, yeah. Beautiful. Number three, I put Legend of Bagger Vance. Love it. I'm not a Legend of Bagger Vance you're, guy. You're not a golf guy. I'm not a golf guy. I'm not a golf movie. person, but I love the story behind like it all. I think it's a really good movie. Okay. All right. Okay. Number two would be Pele. Is there? It's just a movie called Pele? Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with it at all. I've really? never heard of it. It's like the story of him. Well, it's I mean, like, it makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I didn't mean, figure it was about David Beckham. Okay. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I feel like it was pretty like, Who played know. Pele? Oh. I genuinely did not know there was a Pele movie. I'm not kidding uh, about this. Pitch I, it like Pele. Yeah, pitch it like Pele. Uh, was it Pele Birth of a Legend? Was that, Or was it just called Pele? It came out. And, um, was it a newer movie? No, it's called it's Birth of a Legend. Birth of a Legend in 2016. Pele, Birth of a Legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is in it. That's significant. And the, it's about Pele when he was younger. Mm-hmm. Okay, like how okay. he got to become Pele. Never seen it. I've is, I've never even heard of my it. My mom loved it, and she was the one that showed it to me. And okay. she was like, "You need to watch this. Like, this is something you have to watch." And I okay. ended up watching it. I fell in love. I, with it. I've learned something here. I would be watch willing it. to go back and view it. I really would. I I, I think Pele's fascinating, and I'd I'd love to go back. It just, just shows a lot of like. Hard I had work. no idea. I had so, no clue. I love it. All and right. then number one, not because not just because Mark Wahlberg oh, is Jesus in it, Christ. but Invincible is one of my <sighs> all-time favorite sports. Movies. I have no. It's definitely not the best sports movie of all time. There's no one no, in no, which it's I the best sports like movie. I do love that. It's not my top five, but I do love that. But it's, I like it. I the the story is good, which is what makes the movie good, mm-hmm. right? Like that, it you start with the this. How can you screw up the story of a guy working at a bar that gets to be a an NFL football player? Like how how could you possibly screw up that story? And they Disneyfy a little bit, but they don't screw it up in any way. It's mm-hmm. it's fine and. You just can't mess that story up. It's I get why you would enjoy watching it. It's it's a good movie. I don't think it's a great movie, but it's a good movie. And again, it's a wonderful family sit down. Mm-hmm. Everybody can watch it. It's inspiring the whole deal. If I have to be honest, Payload would probably come first for me. It's just Mark Wahlberg kind of helped tip <laughs> yeah, it over. So obsessed with Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Say hello to your mother for me. Yeah, so obsessed. <laughs> All right, that was a good list, Cass. That Thank was a good you. list. I like Thank that. You. I like that list. I would have to think about what my all-time... Like favorite because I mean, we're not saying greatest, we're saying just all time. No, well, no, no not greatest. No, it's but not it would the still. Same. The answer is still Rocky, though. Like, I mean, it's come on. I mean, come on. Like, it's almost unfair though to compare because Rocky is one of the greatest motion pictures of all time. You almost have to separate it as I a put, sports movie. I put Bull Durham and The Natural. I like both. There. Both are great movies. I actually like The Natural even a little bit more than I like Bull Durham. Um, like uh, Bull Durham, I still have to wrestle with like the. Uh, oh man, how do I say this in the nice way possible? Why are we so obsessed with this woman? Why are we yeah, so Susan obsessed Sarandon. with Susan Sarandon? <laughs> like, you still have to wrestle with like, There's so much great in Bull Durham. I'm not trying to take away from it, but you still have to wrestle at the core with, like, really? This? This? <laughs> All right, sorry. sorry. I, I do. I love that movie because I've played baseball my whole life. Yeah, I, and, I, I, and, right. And I the, get the it. The interactions are like. They're real. Like that's what happens on a baseball. Field. Um, uh, the guy Darren McGavin, who of course plays the father in A Christmas Story, 
is brilliant in the natural. Oh, like, that's a, I do love you have that everything under control, Slugger? Do you know, like, oh, he's so good in that. With his, with his eye? It. Yep, I love the natural. It's wonderful. All right, good list. That Thank was good, you. Cassie. Thank you. Thank you very much. Come back in. Uh, Derek Gibson, former Seton Hall player. We'll talk about Kevin Willard. Hopefully, we'll still have time for a tidbit and tubular, but we're going to be up against it. My apologies. It's Glenn Clark Radio, Tuesday edition of the show. The wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport. And why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcasts. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Yeah, there's a rumor floating around about a guest that might be joining us soon that it's so big, I'm not even going to tell you because I'm terrified that it might not happen. But literally, probably the biggest guest in the history of the show that has been scheduled to join us here in a couple of weeks. So we'll see if it plays out. If you missed Dave Tremblay last night with Stan the Fan, you can check that out right now. Facebook.com slash Sports, the former Orioles skipper chatting with Stan and Ross Grimsley. 
about his new gig in the MLB Draft League and baseball in general. Again, that's available right now. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Simply the bets coming up in a little bit. Before that, we uh, want to get to know Kevin Willard a little bit more. Had the opportunity to catch up with one of his former players who just so happens to also be the uh, first openly gay player in college basketball history. Really compelling story. Uh, Derek Gordon, the former Seton Hall player right here on GCR. Had to do this a little bit earlier. He is Derek Gordon, and he's with us now here on GCR. Derek, it's Glenn back in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. No, no problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, dude. Derek, can you take me back to like what your first ever interaction was with Kevin Willard? Do you remember anything about that and why it was a fit for you to end up playing for him at Seton Hall? Um, well, this was when I was at UMass, and... <clears throat> You know, of course, I put in, you know, a statement saying that I wanted to transfer. And originally I was supposed to go to Boston College originally, um, but they ended up backing backing out for whatever reason. And I was the number one transfer at the time. And what was so weird was that I really wasn't, you know, getting, you know, the looks that I expected, mm -hmm. uh, which I kind of know the reason why. Sure. You know? Right. You know? Right. Um, so when uh, Coach Willer reached out, um, I looked at it, honestly, as a great opportunity. For one, I'll be in New back in New Jersey, close to my family, you know, and it's the Big East. But, you know, he just made me feel comfortable, you know, because, you know, I didn't know what I was going into. Because seeing all, I believe, is a Catholic um, school. So, and a priest just got let go there, um, I think, like, two days um before wow i ended up, you know signing there and you know he just made it comfortable for me he just said you know what you know you know we're more focused on you know who you are um as a person and a basketball player and what you bring to the team um and he voiced that over and over again and when i went on my visit there um i just felt even more comfortable uh, met a couple of the guys uh Kadeen and isaiah and they made me feel right at home as well so it was kind of like an easy decision um but yeah, Coach Willard is awesome. He's an amazing guy. You had clearly you had already played, of course, at that point at UMass after you had come out. So yeah. you know, there was there was I don't know what we want to call it, but it already you didn't have to go through the first time, I guess, at that point and all the attention that was coming yeah. with it. But still, you know, the circumstance is unique, right? Especially at that point. Right. What was it like playing for Coach Willard? as you were going through that was, was it something where it didn't take long before it just wasn't that big of a deal anymore? Was it, what was, how did he handle the uniqueness of everything that was going on? Um, I mean, for me, I felt that it was more of a story when I came out. I think when I went to see in the hall, it was just more, okay. You know, I'm playing in the big East, yeah. uh, which is one of the top conferences in the country. Um, and playing for a great coach. So for me, the attention, it, it when I first got there, I will say, because I remember walking in to media day and, you know, some of my teammates had like cameras on, but literally like every camera, every person <laughs> that was doing interviews in there came right up to me and was just asking me a ton of questions. So, um, you know, for me as a person who loves the spotlight, you know, I, I love stuff like that. You know, I, I, embrace, <laughs> I embrace it. Um, but I say throughout the season, it wasn't, it never was, you know, an issue. Um, you know, um, I, like I said, I came out, you know, it was done. I yeah. played yeah. and kept playing. So for me, it was more, I just want to play and I want to win. Um, but of course, you know, being the first 
you know, openly gay player, you know, that comes with attention. So for me, I, I embrace it. You know, I knew what I was getting myself into sure. when I first came out. So I knew that it was going to come with attention. Um, but it wasn't anything that I couldn't handle while I was there. He so. is. He's Derek Gordon. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. We're learning about new Maryland basketball coach Kevin Willard. Let's talk about basketball. Um, what what kind of basketball coach was Kevin Willard? No, ma- no matter what your sexual orientation is, right? Like just from a basketball standpoint, what did you learn about him as a coach? And 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 how did it work with you from a basketball standpoint playing for Kevin Willard? Um, well, to rewind time a little bit, I had, you know, when I was at UMass, uh, me and the coach kind of bumped heads, and that was one of the reasons why I transferred. So I remember a, a particular situation that happened in practice um, came down the court and I was wide open and I didn't shoot it. And he like stopped practice. And he said, like, you know, you're not at Seton Hall anymore. Like, I trust you. I believe in you like shoot the ball. Um, and ever since then, like my confidence was like through the roof, especially because from what I had to deal with when I was at UMass with that coach, um, to, you know, playing under coach Willard and, you know, him telling me that specifically, um, he just let me play my game. And I think, you know, that's, you know, I think that's every player's dream in the sense, you know, to let a coach just let their players play. And, you know, it just like I said, when the season was over, I, I told him and even the players that I wish I had another year. Wow. Um, but he was by far the best coach, you know, that I ever played for. And even when all of this new speculation was going around that he was leaving, I actually sent him a message yesterday um, saying, that, hey, wherever you end up going, whether you stay at Seton Hall or go somewhere else, you know, you're going to do great. You know, you're a great coach, a great person. And, you know, I wish you nothing but the best. So I think Maryland fans are going to like hearing that, man. I think that's going to sound pretty good to fans around here. Derek, um, his style, it's, it's something a lot of people say, man, I'll turn on a Seton Hall game. It seems like a rock fight every time out, right? Like what, what should we expect style wise from a Kevin Willard coach team? Ah, See, that's kind of hard to answer because now he's going to Maryland. He may switch it up now. Okay. Um, he may look at, you know, what has happened. Not saying that, okay, we lost in the first round of the tournament, but we that year I was there, we ended up beating the team in the biggest championship. Yep. We ended up winning the whole thing. So I love the style, and his style was more of up and down. Um, but defense matters first, I feel like. Um, with him. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I think I thrived there because I was like more of that defensive anger guy. Um, it started with me and, you know, on the offensive end, like I said earlier, you know, he just lets his players play. Um, now, like I said, I don't know if he's going to change. Sure. Sure. Right. To Maryland because it may be something where, you know, he said, you know what, well, like that was at seeing all, maybe he tries to go with a whole new format, but his up and style game. I love, I know everyone doesn't like it. Um, but I personally feel from the time that I was at Seton Hall and the reason why we won is because we played defense. You know, our offense took care of itself, even at Villanova game. You know, no one had us winning. No one even had us going to the right. semifinals. And the fact that we went that far was because we had a group of guys who believed in each other. Like, you know, yes, it matters a lot with Coach Willer, but what also matters is the chemistry of the team. Like, is the is everyone cool with each other? Like that's one of the reasons why I believe we won the way we did at Seton Hall was because off the court we all hung out. You know, we went to the movies together and everything. So I feel like with that, you know, it's only so much that he can do. At the same time, you know, you have to have a group of guys who are willing to lay it out every single day, all on the line. You know, to win a championship. From my perspective, like sure. I said, from sure. the time I've spent there. Um, 
and he has to get recruits. You know, someone asked me that. I feel like, you know, the Big Ten, that's, in my opinion, that's a step up from the Big East. Okay. The Big Ten is, okay. is, is, a, is a whole nother level, I feel like. Um, I honestly wish I would have had a chance to play in that conference. Um, but I feel in the Big Ten, he's definitely going to have to get four or five-star recruits, in my opinion. Um, but I feel like he doesn't have, he shouldn't have an issue with recruiting. Um, yeah, let's, let's talk, Derek, let's talk about that, right? Like the way you're praising him and, and obviously, you know, you coming from such a unique background. Now he's at a place like Maryland. You say Mm -hmm. you love playing for him, knowing what you know about him. is, Is there any reason to think he couldn't go get those top types of guys to come play at, you know, a kind of a premier basketball school like Maryland is? I don't think, I mean, he got me. Um, and, you know, for me, like I said, you know, it's, of course, it's not a Kentucky, it's not a Duke or anything, but at the end of the day, I still think Maryland is still one of the top programs that you can play for. You know, it's in a Big Ten. Um, and how he recruited me to go to Seton Hall, I feel like if he has that same approach, you know, I don't see why not. He wants winners on his team. That's it. You know, he wants guys that's going to go out there that wants to win games, you know, and like I said, I feel like that's the reason why we won because we had nothing but winners on our team. And if he can format that type of guy, group of guys at Maryland, then yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he does some things over there for sure. But I did, I, I was doing some, some snooping around on Twitter and I know you're a couple of people. Who okay. Not so let's get, let's get to that. Let's get to that. Right. Derek, <laughs> let's get to that. Because, the biggest yeah. thing that the detractors point out, right? And I think that, that I, by, by the way, and I, I've written about it, I think Kevin Willard was a good, sensible, logical hire for the University of Maryland, right? I think this was as good as Maryland can do in hiring a coach is Kevin Willard. But I, I point out, look, I'm as concerned as everybody else is about the fact that he's won one NCAA tournament game, right? Like, yeah. you know, I, I, yeah. can't, I can't ignore that. You referenced uh, that. You can't, yeah. Um, what, what, so you, especially considering you were part of the team that you know had his greatest accomplishment clearly is winning the big uh, big east tournament what I, I personally believe for one if i felt like they when i was there they kind of did us wrong because they had us playing in denver and denver is such a hard place to play because it's hard to breathe there i felt that because of the run we had if we ended up anywhere else i felt like we could have definitely went a lot further but i was actually skeptical of before we even went there, because I played in Denver, but my teammates haven't. So I was like, um, but long as, I mean, there's, there's always that if, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I got to congratulate to his agent for that contract that he got. Life's good. I'm, yeah, life is good. His agent is amazing. Um, so, <laughs> but I said, then, like, I, I feel he deserves it now, of course. He has to, you know, prove people wrong. You know, I was saying things that people were talking about. They're canceling their season tickets and all type of stuff. And I, and I feel like, you know, I think with any anywhere you go, like especially if you're new, you know, you're going to have to prove yourself. You know, I, I wouldn't expect for them to be like, oh, my gosh, like Kevin Willard is like, no, like and there's nothing wrong with that. But I feel wherever you go, you have to, you know, you have to prove yep. yourself. Um, He didn't completely change around Seton Hall, but he changed it enough to the to the point where Seton Hall is a school that people would go to. Yep. Um I, I will I will give him credit for that. Um but yeah he's definitely you know I, I I'm praising him but of course like I also have to say yeah he's gonna have to 
you know, prove some people wrong and, you know, get recruits and win games and all of that stuff. But I don't see why he would have any issues doing that. Derek, I want to get caught up on you, man. Um, wh- what you're up to. I know you're out in Germany now. Um, I know you're yeah. really involved with Athlete Ally, which is a tremendous group. Um, get us caught up on where you are basketball-wise, advocacy-wise, everything you got going on in your world. It's- so I'm in my second professional um, season. Um, last year I was in Cyprus, and now I'm in Trier, Germany, which Trier, Germany is right on the border of uh, France, close to Luxembourg. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm just now getting ready to come back from an injury. I got a hurt back in November 9th, uh, tore my hamstring and had a tibia fracture in my knee. So I was out for about four months just rehabbing. Um, so I'll be back uh, either this week or next week just in time for playoffs, which is perfect. Um, I'm, I'm living my dream. You know, I'm a, you know, I was an openly gay college basketball player and I'm an openly gay professional basketball player and, you know, um, have a lot of support here. Um, people support me a lot. And, um, as far as outside of the court, um, I'm looking to do more stuff as far as, um, like more panels and speaking gigs and things. That's one of the reasons why I joined up with Athletes LA, just because I personally want to be more involved in the community the basketball stuff I feel would take care of itself um, but I feel like for sure that there's still a lot more work to be done if clearly I'm the only one all right we're gonna we're gonna have to 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 end up uh, saving some of this for the web uh our full interview with Derek Gordon will be available there I apologize that uh, we're just going to cut it a little bit early. I want to get a plug in, though. You can find out more about Derek at Flash2Gordon on Twitter, and it's Derek Gordon on Instagram. I apologize. I ran out of time a little bit there with uh, the way that we timed out today's show, but great stuff from Derek Gordon. You can see he thinks quite highly of Kevin Willard, which is certainly a good thing for Maryland fans to be hearing from uh, one of his former players and, and a former player who was you know, the most unique for sure, um, of any of Kevin Willard's coaching experiences. So thanks, Derek Gordon, for taking a couple minutes for us this morning. Uh, if you haven't picked up the new print issue, speaking of Maryland basketball, at press box, go get it right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms on the cover. That's Gary Williams. We celebrate the 20th anniversary of their run to the 2002 National Championship. That print issue of press box is available for free right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms and in the hundreds of locations around town where you find press box or read it all. Pressboxonline.com is where you can find it. And you'll be able to find the full interview with Derek Gordon in the greatest hits coming up here in a second. Uh, we can skip tidbit. We'll do tidbit tomorrow. Very good. Tubular is brought to you by the Baltimore Police Department. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Here's what's coming up uh, tonight. Just a couple of highlights anyway. Hey, if you've got uh, some time this afternoon, Maryland baseball is quite good, and they're playing at UMBC this afternoon at 4 o'clock. I'd encourage you to get over there and watch that. That would be a really neat way to spend a Tuesday afternoon. Weather's good. Be a good day to do it. Uh, if you can't, Big Ten Network Plus actually is airing the game. Blues Capitals at 7 on NBC Sports Washington. Uh, ESPN Plus and Hulu for Oilers Stars at 8.30. Preds Kings at 10.30. TNT Hawks Knicks at 7.30. Clippers Nuggets at 10. Uh, I don't know. Orioles this afternoon are on MLB TV. There is a Pirates broadcast for the game, and it's John Means' first appearance of the spring. Uh, that's at 1 o'clock, again, if you have MLB TV. Anything non-sports-wise that, that stands out? Uh, Mr. Mayor at 8.30 on NBC. I know you I love like that Mr. one. Mayor. Um, Jeff Foxworthy has a new comedy special that's uh, debuting today on Netflix. And uh, 
you know, stuff and things. All right, very good. Find it at uh, glennclarkradio.com. Thanks today to Derek Gordon. Thanks also to Yahoo Blackwell. Thanks to Patrick Stevens, and thanks to Joe Banner. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. On the program tomorrow, scheduled to be a big day, Patrick Ricard is scheduled to join us. Marcus Spears, the former Raven, who's now with ESPN, scheduled to join us. Marcus Williams, new Raven safety, is scheduled to join us, and... Maybe even more than that. That's all I'll leave you with. It's scheduled to be a really busy day tomorrow on GCR. Thanks to everybody at Press. Oh, Cass, uh, plug your uh, social. Where can people follow you? Instagram, Cassidy underscore Elizabeth22, and then Twitter, CassidyButler5. Thanks to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Baltimore Police Department, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino and Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Blue Line Canine, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul at Paul Valley the Third on Twitter. Follow him. Follow. Uh, thanks to Ryan Chell, as always, at RyanChell87. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday night. Um, go Maryland and UMBC baseball. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too. If you're with us on video, come back in just a minute. If you're with us on audio, do nothing. Coming up next is Simply the Bets. And welcome into Simply the Bets, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Glenn Clark, Paul Valley, coming up in just a second. Aaron Oster from Mountain Vegas at VEASAN will join us a little bit later on in the show. Our buddy Bruce Billick, the general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, will check in. Obviously a huge weekend to recap and another big weekend coming up at the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 to look forward to. And with that, I give you a reminder that in the FanDuel Sportsbook right now, you can get a $500 bracket bonus. Here's what you need to do. You need to get in. You need to make a $50 bet on any NCAA tournament game. So just because the first weekend is gone doesn't mean that this uh, reward system is over. You can still get your bracket bonus by betting $50 on any NCAA tournament game through the national championship game. But you got to be a Live Rewards member. So if you're not a Live Rewards member, here's what you do. Go to the window. Walk up. Say, I heard about this bracket bonus system. I saw a lot of people doing it while we were hanging out there on Friday. Can you get me signed up for Live Rewards? They'll sign you up. You put your $50 or more bet in on NCAA tournament game, and then you register that bet to win this $500 bracket bonus. And 10 of you are winning that bonus. And it doesn't matter whether your bet wins or loses. So you can put a $50 bet in, win handsomely on the game, and then get a $500 bracket bonus as well. I would get to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino Hotel immediately and take care of that. And former Terp Rodney Elliott and I will be back. We'll be hanging out with you again for the national championship game on Monday night, May 4th. Looking forward to being there for that. Every week on Simply the Bets, our buddy Aaron Oster from out in Vegas at VEASAN checks in with us. Sort of a, a mixed bag for him a week ago. Aaron, what's going on, my friends? Uh, yeah, it was a mixed bag. Wild tournament uh, caught me as well. Some of my futures didn't hit. Did hit a few things. I did hit uh, Towson last week, so that was nice. 
But, uh, you know, it's weird. All of a sudden, we're, we're getting to that point where the schedule's thinning out. Baseball's yep. right around the corner. It's, uh, it's turning into an interesting time for gambling. Uh, Colgate was a miraculous cover last week. I mean, just a historic cover for them. that They somehow managed to stay within, what was it, seven points against Wisconsin. Yep. But, yeah, exactly. I, went, uh, I went bold. I tried to play uh, when I, cause I was hanging out in the uh, FanDuel Sportsbook last Friday with our buddy Rodney Elliott. Rodney smarted up, and he stopped betting. He just started betting unders. I'm telling you, man, this strategy is good. We saw how many of these games finished in the 60s and the 50s and <clears throat> the 40s over the course of the first couple of weekends. Betting unders, I think, was the play for the first four days of the NCAA tournaments. It's interesting, though. It was more 50-50, and actually uh, overs were 25 and 23 over the weekend. So there were a lot of high-profile unders, but overs, surprisingly, usually it is a very under, especially for the first two and, weekends. Right. Some of, that being that the num- some of that being that the numbers dropped so significantly for a few of these games. And, and that's, a, that's yeah. a big thing to watch. For whenever you're seeing these big movements, honestly, wait till the market settles and go the other way. And that, that's kind of what we're seeing, at least for the first weekend. Obviously, things can change dramatically in the second. I swear to God, Rod would keep looking up at me in the middle of games. He'd be like, what's the number right now? And I'd look up and I'd tell him what the number is. He's like, I'm going to go bet the under. And I'd be like, really? He's like... Look at this. You think they're getting to that number? I'd be like, all right, man. And he was cleaning up. He was cleaning up. Meanwhile, I was screaming about the fact that Yale could not hang with Purdue because they'd never seen a, a, a human as big as, um, as Edie is. <laughs> like, they've never seen somebody that size. I'm like, yeah, he's killing him. That was a mistake on my part. That was a real <laughs> bad play. All right. Uh, every week on Simply Bets, Aaron Oster offers us his five L's of sports betting for the week. No, they're not five losses, although I feel like one week it was pretty close. Um, <laughs> he's, he's actually just themed bets whose name titles all start with L. And uh, probably a little bit trickier, where are you going this week with your local bets, sir? Yeah, this was very, very tricky. Was hoping that there would be a line on the Maryland women's, but there's no line. Another anywhere. another thing that Rodney Elliott cashed in on. on I man, Rodney had a day. I really should have just there listened to him on Friday. I was like, man, 19 points. All those girls from Delaware probably wanted to come to Maryland. Like, ah, I don't know. And he's like, bro, what are you talking about? Like, you're Rod- Rodney. When I when I asked him to come do these events with me, he was like, I'm not really all that much of a gambler. I think that changed on Friday. I think as oh, yeah. of Friday, he is officially a gambler. <laughs> anyway, where are you going? Um, I, I thought about doing a whole bit about uh, Orioles spring training, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Oof. By the way, if Oof. you're going to bet on spring training, um, there, there's some numbers you should call, as well as just bet underdogs for your betting. Hang, on a, hang on a second, Aaron. This is a really good segue that you just threw out there. If you're someone who's at that place, know the risks and have a plan before you start gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Um, so I guess the only local-ish thing that I can uh, bet on right now that has lines on is the Washington Capitals. Okay. Uh, they, they, they take on the St. Louis Blues today. Uh, by the way, if you're interested, the Orioles are uh, plus 122 dogs today exactly. against the Pittsburgh I, like I said, Pirates. I was going to do, do a whole bit. I was going to give uh, you reasons to take the Orioles as dogs because they're dogs in spring training, and why not take dogs? And, and John Means training. is making the start today for the Orioles. So, yeah. you know, there's yeah. that. But, yes, I mean, my God, who knows? I haven't even seen what the lineup is, but it's a road game, so it's probably no one. Yeah. Uh, just, just don't do it. Yes. Don't do it. Yes. Bet real games. Yes. This is a real game. 
So, Caps have won uh, seven of their last nine. They, they're really kind of rounding into form and as they start looking at postseason play. Blues are in a funk, and honestly, I might have viewed this as kind of a, a kitchen sink, must-win kind of game for the Blues and, and just taking the plus money. But two of the Blues' leading scorers, uh, Thomas and Tarasenko, are both out for the Blues. Ooh. They've had to call some uh, players up on emergency reserve up from uh, the AHL. So uh, give me the Caps minus 146 on the money line against okay. the Blues. All right, very good. Um, hang on. I'm trying to talk myself into betting this spring training game, though. <laughs> uh <laughs> Anthony Santander is in the lineup for the Orioles today against the Pirates. It's it's mostly a bad lineup. Um, Tyler Nevin's in it. Kyle Stowers in it. Ryan McKenna's in it. Jamal Jones is in it. Paul, what do you say? What do we bet a couple bucks on the birds today, huh? What do you say? Feel alive, right? What do you what do you, you, know what do you what? I've Go already got it. money on it. <laughs> Paul's already in. Yeah, Paul's got a baseball <laughs> problem. Paul, it's not a gambling problem. It's just a baseball problem that Paul has. Uh, I think we might do it, pal. I think we might just for the... Why not? Just live a little. Come on. If you think I haven't bet on worse things, Paul was trying to get me to bet on darts two weeks ago. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go to... Uh, I, I, I think that's a good bet, by the way, on the Capitals. Let's go uh, long long term. Let's go to a futures bet next. So, obviously, we've been watching all of these NFL. NFL moves, all the quarterbacks going to the AFC, all these teams getting better, and obviously the teams that have gotten new quarterbacks have drawn the bulk of the attention. And there's one team that's out there, when I look at the futures odds, that have been making some quietly good moves to make their team better, and we're overlooking, and I know why we're overlooking them, because, but I because they're now the, value on them. Because they're the Washington commander. <laughs> No, no one's overlooking that team because there's nowhere to look. Anyways, um, the Super Bowl, the AFC champion, Cincinnati Bengals are now 12-1 to to win the AFC, and they are the seventh favorites right now. And I get it. There's a lot to go against them. The Super Bowl hangover team wasn't really that good last year. They just had a really good playoff run. Everything is there. And I understand why they're not up among the favorites. They're the third favorite within their own division. Right. And quietly, they really had a good offseason. Like, their big flaw their offen- last year their, offensive, their line offensive line is, yep, com- Lyle Collins. I mean, they have completely... Alex Kappa, Ted yep. Karras. Like, they now have a, I'm not going to say, like, a top five offensive line, but it's now more of a strength than a weakness. And, you know, again, there are better teams in the AFC. Obviously, the Bills are better, the Chiefs are better. But for this team to be seventh in the conference when, look, they're still really good that all those offensive weapons are still there. I think that we've gotten, you know, just because they haven't made the, the sexy splash, that the love for other teams, look, the, the fact that the Browns have jumped them, I think, is a little bit ridiculous. Um, give me the Bengals at 12-1 to 1 to win the AFC. I just think there's value there. I, I actually love this. At 12-1, to 1, and look, I'm not trying to tell you, it's very difficult to repeat and go to the Super Bowl back-to-back years, and so... You know, if you're asking me straight up, do I think that the Bengals are going to do it? No, I don't. But in terms of finding value and looking and saying, is that number wrong? I'm with you. I we we get so obsessed with the Browns that we don't even know what Deshaun Watson's suspension might end up being at this point. Mm-hmm. But this is just because the Browns did something. Somehow, the Browns a few years ago became America's team, and I don't know where yeah. that came from. I have no clue why the Browns became the team that everybody was going to obsess about talking about so much. And 
it's sort of like with how the Cowboys kind of screwed things up, or the way you could argue that like Duke's numbers were a little bit off going into the NCAA tournament. When there's so much conversation about one particular team, it screws up other numbers, and I'm completely with you. That number, I, I can maybe understand the Ravens being slightly favored over the Bengals, but even that's a little iffy, right? Like even that, mm-hmm. I would say, I I don't know. I mean, like we still need to to see Lamar Jackson not not be a disaster against the blitz like we we, we still need to see that i'm kind of with you that number is not right that that number is not correct are there numbers for the division yeah there are and plus i would 1000 percent toss a few bucks on the bengals plus 20 220 in the division as a third favorite that that makes all the sense in the world but sure for the afc why not yep exactly and and again it's all because of there there is no conversation around it They, they made good moves but they haven't made sexy moves and most people right now aren't, you know, they're just looking at the sexy moves. Yep, that's a, it's a great point, man. I like that. All right, Aaron Oster is with us from VEASAN. Uh, let's go with a long shot. Give me an underdog that you're riding with. All right, now let's get back to March Madness right here. So uh, my long shot right now, you can still bet futures on uh, March Madness. You don't have to just bet individually. And there are uh, national championship. And this one is a little tricky because you, you really have to be hoping that an injury isn't very severe. But uh, UCLA right now is 15-1 to 1 to win it all. Mm-hmm. Obviously, look, this can come down to whether Jaime Jaquez can mm-hmm. go or not. But you look at the bracket they have in front of them, and they'll be favored in both of their games uh, remaining in their region. They're a small favorite over UNC, and I think they'll be favored again over Purdue, assuming that the Peacocks don't get in the way. If it is the Peacocks, well, you know what? The Peacocks are probably just winning it all. But, uh, you know, I, I think they're going to be favorites in both of their games which you're not seeing from very many situations right now. Obviously, you know, the one seeds are, but the one seeds are all, you know, plus 200 for Gonzaga, plus 350 for Kansas, and and that sort of range. You're getting 15 to 1 on UCLA right now. Um, And I think that that's a ticket that even if you don't necessarily believe that once you get out of the region, UCLA can win, if you have a 15-1 to ticket going into the Final Four, you can do some really creative things as far as hedging and uh, winning money. So again, this is really contingent on Hawkes playing, because if he doesn't, I do think they will have trouble with UNC. If he does play, though, I really love UCLA at 15-1. to I like I like UCLA at 15-1. to I like them going into the tournament as one of my Final Four, mm-hmm. like, uh, a futures bets. Them and Villanova were the two teams that I was kind of riding the most based on where their odds were, and I, I still like both of them. I mean, I, I, I do. I get it. Arizona is Arizona, but, like, you know, they, they nearly lost to TCU the other night. Um, I don't think they're unbeatable, and I think Villanova continues to be quite steady and just a team that I trust. So those are two teams that I like. And sitting at 13 and 15 to 1, respectively, I'd still like both of them going into the Sweet 16. Uh, on to a loser. What's a bet that you say, no, no way, no, that you're Vince McManning, no chance in hell. Is this a bet that you would be making? Well, I'm glad you brought up Arizona. Because right now, Arizona is sitting at plus 650 to win it all. And that number is not right at this point of the tournament. Uh, they have the hardest road to go uh, between facing Houston, which, by the way, is basically a coin flip game, and then possibly facing Villanova there. This is a number I understand why it is what it is. Pretty much every book in the country has Arizona as their biggest liability. The books do not want Arizona to win this because their odds were so high at the beginning of the season. They had those high-profile wins against Michigan and some of those other wins early season. People started playing them at 100 to 1, 70 to 1, 50 to 1. 
that they have all sorts of liability uh, brought up so they cannot give you fair prices on Arizona. And that's what plus 650 is. It is not a fair price on Arizona. If you believe in Arizona, and there's a lot to like about Arizona, I'm not telling you that Arizona can't win, but do not bet this future. Instead, do what's called a rollover parlay. Play every game individually on the money line. Okay. Take the take the minus, I believe it's minus 120 right now against Houston. Bet whatever it is you feel comfortable. Whatever you would normally bet on that plus 650. Play it on Arizona to win. Take all that money when you win. Put all that money on the next game against Villanova. Mm-hmm. Keep rolling it over for all four games. If you believe that it's going to be, they're going to be facing chalk, if you believe they're going to be facing Houston, Villanova, Kansas, and Gonzaga, you're going to get plus 1250, approximately, plus 1250 on your money instead of the plus 650. So go with the rollover parlay instead of betting this at plus 650. Paul, make sure when we tweet that out, we, uh, we make that notice to say bet the rollover parlay instead of uh, Arizona at plus 650. All right, and uh, give me the one you love. Give me the one that you would literally travel all the way back from the desert in Vegas to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel here, home in Maryland, just to make this bet. You know, I, I was I was looking and I was thinking about playing St. Peter's, and I still don't hate St. Peter's. Um, interesting note, both of the 15 seeds that have made the Sweet 16 in recent years have covered against their opponents. It's Oral Roberts I mean, and Florida Gulf Coast that we're talking about. Correct. Or, Oral Roberts almost won outright against Arkansas last year. And uh, Florida Gulf Coast still covered against Florida. It's twelve and a half. I do like that bet. It's not my favorite play. Instead, I'm looking at the Miami Iowa State game, and um, this game was actually really interesting betting wise because it opened at Iowa State a minus one favorite, and then immediately flipped. Everyone came in really hard on Miami. It moved uh, to Miami minus one immediately. Has gotten all the way up to Miami minus two and a half. You can see why. Look, we've talked about this in uh, recent weeks, how guard play really does determine the NCAA tournament, and we've seen that in this tournament. And we see it really with Miami. You're seeing uh, McGusty and Wong. They were awesome against uh, Auburn. They've been awesome the whole tournament. Uh, Miami has some great guards. Iowa State's playing very well as well. But they're not quite built, I think, to stop this Miami team. The two-and-a-half, I think, is a little bit much... um, and but if you wanted to play it, I would have absolutely no problem with it. But my favorite play is the Miami money line, just having them win. Okay. And right now it's uh, minus one thirty-seven. So Miami money line over Iowa State minus one thirty-seven is my All favorite right. play. All right, race to the FanDuel sportsbook and get that bet in. Uh, what's going on with Veasan as we move into the second week of the tournaments? You know, we uh, continue to have some March Madness deals. You can check those out at VEASAN.com. We are going to have full breakdowns for every game, side, total, everything that you want there. And, of course, we're moving into uh, baseball, so our baseball guide should be coming out soon. So check that out at VEASAN.com. All right, very good. Of course, Aaron Oster's on Twitter. At the A Oster is how you follow him. Appreciate you, pal. We will talk to you again next Tuesday. Thank you, as always, my friends. Hope everyone's best come home. Appreciate it, buddy. That's Aaron Oster checking in with us from out in Vegas with his five L's for betting this week. All right. Um, don't forget you can get daily picks. Jeremy Kahn posts them every day at PressBoxOnline.com. You can check them out there. I think Jeremy had a pretty good night last night uh, with his picks. I think he came out plus for the evening. So I encourage you to be following along every day with his picks at PressBoxOnline.com. 
When we come back in, we will find out what's going on in the FanDuel Sportsbook. I was there on Friday. What a scene it was, man. Ah, oh, I'm so glad that we were able to do that here at home. You don't have to go out to Vegas anymore. You can just do it locally for the tournament. It was just an a, a amazing atmosphere for hanging out, watching the games. The general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook, Bruce Billick, will join us next. This is Simply the Bets. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the Fandle Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. Baseball is back. I'm Paul Valley And I'm Zach Goodman. You can find us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon talking all things Orioles and Major League Baseball. Like the debuts of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez. And how the rotation and bullpen are rounding into form. Watch us live at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. That's the bat around live with the latest in baseball coverage every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. I know I was really interested, like when Aaron brought up where the, the Bengals' odds are. Like, that really does stand out to me. They, so the Browns acquiring Deshaun Watson moves them up. They are now 10th among Super Bowl favorites, according to the FanDuel Sportsbook. It's still the Bills as the first favorite, plus 650, then the Buccaneers, then the Chiefs at plus 850, the Packers plus 1100, the Rams plus 1200, the 49ers 14, 
Uh, the Chargers, 15-1. to Broncos, also 15-1 to with Russell Wilson. And the Cowboys, 15-1. to And then there's the Browns. So it's not as if they, like, went crazy and moved the Browns up to being, like, the third favorite to win the Super Bowl. But the Browns vaulted ahead of both the Bengals and the Ravens. And I completely agree with Aaron. That's not right. Not to say that they can't be or that Deshaun Watson as a quarterback isn't maybe just that good. And now he has Amari Cooper to throw the ball to in Cleveland. But not knowing what the suspension might be from Deshaun Watson. And by the way, that includes the possibility there might be nothing. The Browns traded a lot for Deshaun Watson. Maybe they got some sort of inside information from the NFL that the suspension was ever either going to be very little or, I don't know, nothing at all. I, I can't believe the league would do that. But there's, you know, the possibility still of a six-game suspension in there. And not to say you can't still win a Super Bowl that way, but that alone should be enough that he shouldn't. they shouldn't be the favorites in the division because of it. But that's where they are. Six-game suspension and put all six division games the first six. I don't think it'll work out that way, but I like where <laughs> your head's at. Um, the Browns are plus 185, the now favorites to win the division, ahead of the Ravens at 2-1 to one and the Bengals at plus 220 with um, the, the poverty-stricken Steelers down at uh, plus 850. You just feel really bad for the morbid franchises like, franchises like the Steelers who just have no hope. I mean, it's just very sad. Yeah, you uh, feel yeah. really, really awful for those guys. that life feels like. God, you know, just miserable. I mean, yeah, pray for them, you know what I mean? Like, do the right thing and, and, and send some good wishes out to the folks of Pittsburgh who are, are completely hopeless going into this football season. It's just got to be a miserable, miserable way to feel. Must feel like the Yankees fans feel right now. No, oh, just no chance. Just yeah. no, huh? no, no chance at all whatsoever. Um, the Colts acquiring Matt Ryan, oddly enough, evens them with the Titans at plus 120 odds to win the AFC South. So that sort of goes back to something we were talking about on Glenn Clark Radio today, the idea that their roster is good enough that even if you don't feel strongly about Matt Ryan, and, and part of that, of course, being the fact that Ryan Tannehill's not really better than Matt Ryan in any way, I would still, you know, on paper, I don't, I don't know which quarterback I would rather have going into the season, but it kind of makes sense that they're even up with the Titans as far as the AFC South odds are concerned. They're both now plus 120 after the uh, events of yesterday. So that's how the last couple of days has shaken up uh, NFL futures bets as far as the quarterbacks that were uh, acquired by various teams. That's how things have changed a little bit there at the top. As far as the, the, the pure numbers at this point related to the NCAA tournament, it is still Gonzaga as the favorite to win it all at plus 240. Kansas 5 to 1, Arizona plus 650 as Aaron pointed out he doesn't like that number. Purdue at 8 to 1, then Houston plus 850, Villanova 13 to 1. I still like the Wildcats. I still like value there. I'm not sure if I'm betting them to win the title any longer. I'm more looking at plus 250 to make the final four. I still think there's value on Villanova. That's still a bet that I am willing to make. Um, and then Texas Tech at 15 to 1, Duke at 15 to 1, UCLA. I think that that number has maybe, I don't know, rightened, corrected itself. What am I looking for? Corrected itself a bit in relation to Duke. And then UCLA at 15 to 1. Carolina, that, that to me would be one that I would still be poking at. Like, you can't ignore how well they've played through these two games. And I know you say, oh, they blew the big lead after the ejection, but. They still came back and outplayed Baylor in overtime. 
Carolina at plus 370 to reach the Final Four. And at 32 to 1 to win the title. As far as a team that's changed its profile and that you genuinely have to buy into, I don't think that anybody's done as much as Carolina has. And so I like those numbers. A few people would probably point out Miami. Miami's all the way down at 70 to 1 to win the title and at uh, 5 to 1 in order to reach the final four. And then, you know, if you really want to kind of go crazy. I don't know, throw Iowa State maybe in at 10,000 to 1. I don't like their chance as much. I, I, don't, I don't feel good about that. But um, sure, it's a possibility. It's, it's, you're chasing at that point. You're just hoping it's, it's crazy. And Iowa State's final four odds are 6 to 1. Or sorry, yeah, 6 to 1. 6 to 1 to win the final four, to make the final four. And. 100 to 1 to win the national championship. That seems to be an inequity there. I mean, I'm not, I don't feel strongly about either one of them, but numbers do appear to be off just a little bit. Again, all of those are available for you in the FanDuel Sportsbook. And of course, if you bet any individual game during the NCAA tournament in the FanDuel Sportsbook, you can be registered to win a $500 bracket bonus. So what I would encourage you to do is get down there right now. The thing is, you got to be a Live Rewards member. So get signed up for Live Rewards, and you can register that bet. Ten Live Rewards members will win that $500 bracket bonus. I don't know what's going on with Bruce, so why don't we do this? Why don't we go ahead and do tidbet, and then we'll try one more time and see if we can't make uh, contact with our guy, Bruce Billick, um, from the FanDuel Sportsbook, the general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. I know it's been a busy week for our buddy Bruce Billick down there. But why don't we go ahead and do our tidbit for the week, Paul Valley? All right, so I had nothing that was grand that stood out to me, so I have a few little nuggets here for you. Okay. Uh, bet MGM has taken a $4,000 bet on St. Peter's to win the title that would pay out at $800,000. It was a $4,000 bet? Mm -hmm. They took that before the tournament, or they took it... Uh, I believe they took it before the tournament. Okay. Right. Um, be, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. No, they, they took it, I think, recently. Because before so, the tournament, yeah, a, better, I was gonna say. a better at FanDuel Sportsbook placed a $1,000 bet that St. Peter's would win it all, and that would pay 500000 I mean, I'm, I'm still going to bet against it, but at this point, it's quite possible you could just sell the ticket for the sake of... Like, there's somebody who cares about St. Peter's a great deal, and they would just buy the ticket for the sake of having the ticket, right? Yeah. Like, for the sake of the attention of it and all that. Um I, I would I would try to sell that ticket right now if I were him. I yeah. would think there'd be enough interest naturally national nationally in St. Peter's that you could go ahead and try to move that ticket. Uh, our guy Mattress Mac is back. He uh, bet one million dollars that the NCAA champion would come from the East. Worth noting that both number one and number two seeds in Baylor and Kansas have been eliminated. Um, and then I want to close on this with on this with talking about how much of a a, a gambler. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna call him the degenerate gambler because it's a gambling mm. show. But Darren Ravel, um, on back-to-back -back days, he won thirteen hundred and thirty-six dollars and twenty-six cents, and then lost thirteen hundred and forty-seven dollars and seventy-nine cents. Such is the nature of gambling. And then on another day, he hit on sixteen bets that paid out a total of thirty-seven hundred and eighty dollars and six cents, but he missed on five bets that cost him seven hundred and eighty dollars. So he netted. $3,000.06. Must be nice to have that kind of walking around money. Um, look, man, you know, I, I, I certainly wouldn't. My, my figures would not be like that, but most bettors would tell you that's typically the way that it goes. You have a day where you feel great, right? And then you're like, ah, 
I'm riding high. Let's throw a bunch back in. And then the next day, you come crashing back to Earth. He, uh, he, the, where I got the info from was actually on a tweet of his where he said, basically, he was saying, some days you're the bug and some days you're the windshield. That's basically what his tweet said. That's the way that it works when it comes to sports betting. There is no getting around that. All right. Uh, thank you to Paul for those tid bets. We'll try Bruce Billick one more time. And if, if it doesn't work, we will uh, talk to him next week. Again, no, it's a, a insanely, insanely busy time in the FanDuel Sportsbook as we were there. And as I mentioned, we'll be back for the national championship game. We'll have more great giveaways. Rodney Elliott will be hanging out with us. It's going to be a Monday night in the FanDuel Sportsbook. No better place to watch the title game than there. And Rob, Rob wants to know, uh, Glenn, are you guys doing your baseball draft again? Is there a way that you can incorporate into the betting show? We'll probably do it, Rob. Um, I have not even looked at win totals yet for MLB teams in order to do it, but we almost certainly will do it, although our buddy Eric Arditi from Barstool still has to pay off last year's um, uh, preseason MLB draft bet. So we'll have to get around to that at some point. All right, uh, apologies. Don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll, we will catch up with Bruce Billick next week. We will make sure that that occurs. Apologies that we couldn't make it work on this week's edition of the show. Thanks to Aaron Oster for checking in with us from out in Vegas. Don't forget that uh, this week will be a weekend at Bookies Week. On Thursday, we will have uh, Brad Feinberg joining us from uh, Bet Prep, as well as we will have our buddy Andrew Stetka, who had a pretty good uh, trip uh, two weeks ago. He had a couple of good winners for us, so we're going to try to get some more winners from him with his stats and figures. That's coming up this Thursday morning at 11.40 a.m., the next episode of Weekend at Bookies brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Thanks for joining us this week for Simply the Bets. May the odds be ever in your favor.